Blank check with Griffin and David. Blank check with Griffin and David. Don't know what to say or to expect. All you need to know is that the name of the show is Blank Check. You know how I know it's the end of the world? Everything's already been done. Every kind of music's been tried. Every kind of government's been tried. Every fucking hairstyle, bubblegum flavors, you know, breakfast cereal. What are we going to do? How are we going to make another thousand years? I'm telling you, man. It's podcast. It, I think that's true. <laughs> right? I think he was right. <laughs> right? Pretty, a pretty prescient opening. Yeah. Hello, everybody. My name is Griffin. I'm David Sims. This is Blank Check with Griffin and David. We are hashtag the two friends, and this is a podcast about filmographies. Mm. Directors who have massive success early on in their career and then are granted a series of blank checks to make whatever crazy passion projects they want. Sometimes those checks clear. Sometimes they bounce. Baby. This is a bouncer. This is a bouncer. <laughs> and this is also a different kind of blank check than we've ever dealt with before. Sure. This is someone kind of coming in as like a, a, a Lux Alptrum in our Point Break episode. Coined a new term for us, the, the sort of uh, guarantor. Uh, okay. The movie that that gives you oh yeah the cachet right 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 but this is a weird like blank check team up it, it is yes one person is sort of cutting a little bit of his blank check right to, to someone else person. who had like earned a partial blank check it's a weird it's a, it's a weird set of circumstances making yes. this movie but this I, check bounces I would say it's a strange set of circumstances. Sure. Uh-huh. This is a mini series about the films of Catherine Bigelow. It's called Pod 19, The Widowcaster. And today we're talking about the movie that almost completely ended her career. Yeah. It is called Strange Days. Mm-hmm. It's called Strange Das. Thank you for the correction. <laughs> Man, do I have egg on my face. Thank you for the correction. Unnamed guest. Yep. The movie is called Strange Das. And boy, do we have a guest today. She is, of course... The mother of blankies. That is true. That Hello, is my children. Her number one mm-hmm. title. Mm-hmm. She's also a film critic for Vulture. That's right. Nine three three times on blank check. Three, three different, different jobs. jobs. Yeah, that's right. You keep bouncing from job to job. <laughs> the, has, the New York media world has been good to me, baby. No, it's been four at this point, hasn't it? Um. So yeah, sure. Tell her how many jobs she's had. No, 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 no. Oh, oh, I, I four mean, four times blank on checks. the pod- Yeah. Okay. Yes. So two with one job, sure. one with another one, and then and then this one. That's okay. right. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. That's yeah. impressive, though. Most of our guests, they come on. We have our favorite guests or repeat guests, and they come on, and we have to list the same fucking credits over and over again. Mm-hmm. They keep us on our toes. Yeah. No, I'm. I'm. Uh, like you know, I'm like Lenny Nero. I've I've gone from being a, a cop in one life to uh, I don't know. And no, you got I a can't. lot of fake Rolexes. <laughs> yeah. Um, a, lot of, a lot of hats. This is also your first solo episode since your first episode. Yeah, yeah that's true. Wow. You're usually on our like supersized. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate that you guys think that I'm worthy. You think that I can, you know, hold an episode up on my own because I've really been working so hard for so long <laughs> to deserve such a position. So thank you guys from the bottom Look, of my heart. It was never an issue of that. Okay. No one looks at Brad Pitt and goes, uh, maybe he's not a leading man because he's playing third fiddle in Ocean's Eleven. It's saying, <laughs> let's add even more juice to this mix. Do you know what I'm saying? No, yeah. it's, no, I understand. We were saying, let's make some episodes blockbusters. Let's throw a little Emily Ashina in the mix. 
Well, well I, I appreciate it. I hope, hopefully this uh, this one doesn't bounce. No. Uh, the episode, <clears throat> the episode, impossible, impossible for this episode to bounce. Mm-hmm. Um, this this is one of your your favorite movies. It became my favorite movie about, uh, or one of my favorite movies about three months ago when I saw okay. it for the first time. Okay. Uh, I I saw this film at MoMA. They were doing a series of some, I think it was called, the series was called Future Imperfect, and they yes. were showing a lot of fantastic movies that I love, and that was one where I was like, well, I've never seen that before, and this seems like a unique opportunity to get to see it on the big screen, a film print, nonetheless, because now I think the only way you can see it is Legally is by buying like a used DVD. Yeah, or yeah. like um, buying like a German Blu-ray. Yeah, it's yeah. like it's impossible. Yeah, it's impossible. This is one of several films in the series that I feel like it's is impossible fucking to see. Driving yeah. me insane. Yeah, there's there's two that are literally uh, out of print. Um, right, and so coincidental. It's the first time you've done a female director. That's <laughs> true. Running you into can't these watch problems. Her movies. I know. Um, uh, yeah, but yeah, I saw this at MoMA, you know, by myself, and about halfway through. It's a long movie. There's a lot of movie here. It's a long yeah. movie. But I was like, I this is I am watching one of my favorite movies right now. It was like a really great feeling. So you like dystopian future movies yes. in general. That's yes. that's one of your And I like specifically yeah. dystopian future movies set in future versions of LA or like future past versions, I guess in yeah. this case. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this movie does ask a big question, which is what if in the future the whole world was LA? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I, I know this movie only takes place in LA. We only really see LA represented, but LA is presented to be such a hellhole, yeah. and the state of the world is presented to be so bad that I just mm-hmm. assume transitive property. What's ruined the world is that everything's become LA. Yeah, sure. But I do like that this movie is not like uh, 1999. You know, America is now blah blah blah. Like, there's no right, explanation yeah. of anything going on. We're just in LA. It's very municipal dystopia. Yes, it's, I mean yeah. this movie is basically set on two blocks. Yeah. Right. Right, like yes. well, they go to the valley at one point. That's right, that's true. I think and they that's do drive where into my the, favorite uh, club in the world is, is in the valley. <laughs> yeah. if I'm not mistaken, but yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. But but it is this movie just kind of says like, well, this is where we were going. Like there wasn't like an inciting incident. Sure. Yeah. There wasn't a, a giant like shift of like from here on out, all blanks will be blank. Mm, blanks. You know? Yeah. I it's just kinda like things kept getting bad. Yeah, it just is like an economy thing. It, it, there's a little bit of the the classic exposition on a radio Colin show about like, oh, the economy's in the toilet and kids are killing kids and you know sure. it's just like I mean that there's nothing particularly unique there. I mean, but. look, let's say it, it's economic anxiety. This movie's about economic <laughs> anxiety. That's yeah. the only thing that went wrong. That's no. the only yeah. problem in society is economic anxiety. Yeah. And if you want to say it's anything else, you're wrong. People just are stressed out about money. Yep. Mm-hmm. Especially cops. Especially cops. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? <laughs> Sometimes people accuse my grandmother of being economically anxious. And I find that offensive because it's just you have to understand she comes from a more economically anxious time. I get your joke. <laughs> She's not actually economic. Like actually, your grandmother is not alive. Considering her age, this one is. Oh, okay, this one is. Okay, this all one right. is. All right, all right. One of them, I'm, I'm throwing onto the <laughs> seriously <laughs> under the train tracks for the sake of this joke. <laughs> well, I have to say that I really hope that people will listen to this episode because, like, I haven't listened to. Um, as of this recording, you guys have put out one, two now. Big step. Oh yeah, two. Yeah. Um, but I haven't seen either of those movies. Sure. Because you can watch the Love List. It's on Amazon. I know. I'm going to watch that one. But Near Dark is also another one that's very difficult to very watch. Very Near Darks. Near Darks. And so I haven't yeah. listened to I haven't listened to them because I want to watch the movies first. Yeah. 
But anyway, I hope everybody listens to this podcast anyway, even if they haven't seen Strange Days. I mean, look, if we're being completely candid, this miniseries is like a big test of our listeners. Yeah. Like is. we're doing a lot of- You guys going to show of, up? We're doing movies you can't watch. Right. Like what we're- hard to watch. Not, not that this is the point. We want to talk about Catherine Bigelow's movies, but this miniseries also functions as this test of like, how many people are actually watching the movies in advance, in preparation, if it's a movie they haven't seen? How many people are listening even if they haven't seen the movie? And how many people totally check out if it's something they cannot watch easily? Yeah. I mean. But that's why we needed a superstar like you. Yeah. We decided well, to do Bigelow. We said we got we to gotta bring in the mother of blankets. Of course. Is this my first one of like a real bouncer? No, Speed uh, Racer. Speed Racer. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah, right. Sorry, Speed Racer yeah. bounce like hell. Oh, right. Oh, right. Uh, and then the other two episodes you've been on are the two most successful movies <laughs> right. of all time. Yeah. Sure. Literally one in th- or, well, no, one or one in three. One in three. Only work in extremes. In the middle yeah. there. Yes. Uh, well, we only kind of work in extremes, too. Yeah. Yeah. Mostly. Uh, strange days. Yes. So uh, post Point Break, which is for Fox and uh-huh. was a solid success and uh, a movie yes. that was very well liked. Yes. Uh, she's got some heat on her. She's got heat. Um, but also her ex-hubby is now the most powerful filmmaker on the planet. All, both of these things are true. So James Cameron uh, wrote this movie in 1986. Uh, not this movie that we watched, but like wrote Strange Days. Right. He wrote... Uh, he wrote by, a script. By his account, he wrote a 90-page treatment. Sure, he wrote a very long treatment. He writes these 90-page treatments that are like novels. And the, mm-hmm. he did this for Spider-Man. You can read his like fucking 90-page Spider-Man Yeah, which is treatment. all about how he's like a gooey teenager who's jizzing all over New York City, basically. And I, it's very I, like... Wait, it's very really? About, yes, it's very much about puberty. I think yes. Mary oh Jane fucks God. Doc Ock, too. I is believe she, that's no. like a plot point is that it's like a love triangle thing. Uh, I mean, weird. would that have been Cameron's most sexual movie? A hundred percent. That's true. Wow. I mean, and I'm not sure I want to see Cameron's <laughs> yeah. most sexual movie because Cameron's most sexual movie is probably Avatar. Right. Uh, I mean, you know, they, they do, they do, as we mentioned on the Titanic episode, they do invent having sex in a car in Titanic. Oh, yes. that's true. As which Emily noticed. I saw somebody else actually make that claim. So I was like, I wondered if I had, I had stole seen. it from them. Well, no, I don't remember that person said it before me or no, but I, 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 I do stand by that as being uh, my own theory. And, yep. uh, yeah, correct. Um, he was also going to do an X-Men movie. Sure. I mean, there, you there say two- going to, I mean, he was in the mix, or like he thought about but, it. But right? he also yes. wrote like a ninety-page treatment for this. Yeah, they announced at one point that he was going to do X Men and Spider Man. I think maybe he announced Spider Man first, and then he left Spider Man for X Men, or the other way around. Sure. But he has this thing when he has an idea for a movie, he writes these like these treatments, quasi screenplays that right. are like mm-hmm. longer than or as long as the script would conceivably be, where he's just describing in novelistic terms what's basically happening and the vibe of the thing. And so he writes it's one of these. junior novelization of Strange Days. Of course, yes. <laughs> uh, written by Orson Scott Card. No, I don't know. He uh, writes so one of these for Strange Days and leaves it on these. a shelf. No, he takes it to Catherine Bigelow, who I'm not sure at what point if in their relationship this was, but he take, they may sure. have been married at the time. She likes the idea. They talk the idea out, right? Right. right? You know. and, and his basic idea, the main thing he was going for, I think, was A, the squid technology, and B, he liked the dynamic of three people on the verge of a new millennium. Yes. And it's mm-hmm. a woman in love with a man helping him find the woman he loves. Yeah. Yes. They like that emotional triangle. They which did. feels very Cameron-y. Oh, yeah. Like, that's right. a real Cameron, like, emotional core kind of setup. Which then Bigelow brought a lot of shit to. <laughs> All true. Yeah. So Cameron takes 
this they turn whatever whatever their dialogue turns into this thing this yeah. he says it was like a big unwieldy novel he takes it to jay cox who mm-hmm. is a practiced screenwriter he usually collaborates with martin scorsese he wrote the age of innocence he I'm sorry, wrote marty scorchies marty scorchies yeah. uh, he wrote age of innocence he wrote gangs of new york he wrote silence with uh, um and he turns it into a script and they like this script so this script is like hanging out mm-hmm. and then in 92 there's the rodney king uh Try. I mean, there's the Rodney King beating and right. the the L.A. riots and the Lorena Bobbitt trial and stuff like that. And Catherine Bigelow is like, I want to like I got weave all this stuff into the I script put too. In. Yeah. Right, right. She said, I think she said that a lot of it got flushed out when she was doing like cleanup efforts after the riots yes. or something. She's yes. spending a lot of time in South L.A. Yes, um, I was involved in the downtown cleanup. You're right, and I was very mm-hmm. moved by that experience. You get a palpable sense of the anger and frustration and economic disparity in which we live. She wanted to make a movie about that feeling that was hanging in the air at that time, which is not too dissimilar from the feeling that I think is hanging in the air right now, (laughs) culturally, like cyclically, Mm -hmm. right? There was a thing like in early 90s LA that is very much what's happening in the entire world right now. Also, Tupac was around. Sure. It was a simpler time. And I think at this point, she decides that Mace has to be an African-American character. Sure. Uh, and she wants to like, you know, to make a movie about female victimization and racial oppression. Right. Is what she says in this interview. So she starts taking reading. what, you know, probably was a kind of clean, straightforward sci-fi Cameron idea. Yeah. Which yeah, then yeah. you imagine she worked more of her own themes into it when they developed mm-hmm. it further. And now she's saying like, this is my vehicle to say everything I want to say about the state of the world today. Yes. Or at the very least, the state of Los Angeles. <laughs> so he has this crazy light storm. Too. James Cameron makes T2. He gets this crazy deal. And it's he, $500 million. Sure. But the, the there's a big deal where he gets to split right. the True Lies funding with another movie. Right. Essentially. Oh, okay. So True Lies costs more. But this movie is first budgeted at thirty million. I think it ends up costing like forty two million. Well, that's the thing. I think million. the deal was they said you can split a hundred million dollars between True Lies and Strange Days, and yes. they thought it was going to be seventy and thirty. Right, and then True Lies end up being the most expensive movie ever made. This is true. It costs like a hundred fifteen. Uh, I can look it up. A hundred uh, something. Hundred and. 100 to 120 million. Right. Like unknown. And then Strange Days, which is supposed to cost 30, 30, end up costing costing like 45. So they went way over on these two movies. Yeah. And True Lies worked for them, and this did not, and she didn't get to make a movie for five years. Uh, Did you hear about the original cast that they had in mind? No. Andy Garcia was going to have the lead role. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Angela Bassett was always their sort of first pick for um, Mace. Uh huh. Uh, and then they wanted Bono to play the Michael Wincott role oh, right. of the dirty boyfriend who's yeah. like a rock producer, which I think would have been tremendous. That would have been <laughs> fascinating. Yeah. I think he would have been really good. And that's yeah. Bono just to, you know, that's like post Octung Baby, pre All You Can't Leave Behind, when Bono's like a real titanic fool. Yeah. Like, yeah. And he's sort yeah. of, he's sort of, at first it was like a character he was doing. And then, like, the character seemed to have, you know, disappeared. And you were like, I think Bono might just be an idiot right now. What was that thing they did on the tour where he played, like, Satan in videos? Yeah, yeah, that, that, the Zeus TV tour. Right, where, like, where right. he, he would, like, have you ever, I mean, I like you too, so I've watched I've watched videos. I've watched a lot of the Zoo TV stuff. Uh, but, yeah. you know, where he had his characters, like, the fly was right. the one with the wraparound sunglasses. And then he would do this devil character called Macfisto, which has right. an English accent, which is fucking embarrassing. 
It's so bad. He like goes down. Like, he's like, "Hello," and you're like, "Oh my god, I can't believe this was like the most successful rock tour ever." He turned an international lineup. tour into <laughs> his his Mad TV reel. Yeah, it really was a, an extended multi million dollar Mad TV reel, right? Uh, but it is actually cool. I, you know, Zoo TV. That's when he would like order pizza like from the stage and he would like call the White House and be like ah it's the future calling or whatever <laughs> you know and they but stuff like that you know yeah so it was or half he's like, Mad TV half jerky boys yeah but I mean no one had ever done shit like sure, that sure. In, in like a stadium tour it was weird sure. it was uh, and he was like the 90s like pop uh, we all like you know it was like it was sort of like bad talking head shit I guess right mm-hmm. Like, how would you describe it? Where he's sort of making fun of consumerism, but you're like, yeah. how would, how would I don't you know describe if you have it? an angle on this, Bono. How would you describe producer Ben? Um, ben Deucer. Well, producer Ben. Paul Laureate. The Haas. Mr. Positive. I, would, I just The would, peeper. If I, the tiebreaker. I, meat lover. Well, Fart detective. Okay. Fuckmaster. Yeah. Very well rehearsed. <laughs> no, they're just improv I just You're well, not I, Professor Crisp. No. I could, I would just say. You are the Poet Laureate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so David's answer. Your finest film oh, God damn it. Jesus, just do it already. Come on. No, Ben, what are you going to say? Sorry. No, it's fine. You graduated certain titles with the course of different ministers, such as Kylo, Ben oh Producer, Ben Kenobi, Ben Nitromalon, Ben Say, Say Anything, Ailey Ben's with the dollar sign, Warhaz, and Purdue Bane. Yeah, so. Um, uh, Bono, your take on Bono right. in the but, 90s. Yeah. <laughs> it's sort of talking heads, I guess. Sure. Because it's got that kind of like. Like uh, we are all robots living in our boxes, right? And like sort of world musicy kind yes. of thing mm-hmm. sure, too sure. going on there. But man, I don't know. It's just a whole other level of corny. It's very corny. Yes, uh, it's a cornier. Right, yeah. I don't even know how to really just like relate Mac-Fisto to is it. Wild, yeah, man. Uh, I, I love it though. I love I love Octane Baby. I love you too. That's a big thing though. It's like <laughs> so embarrassing. Bono, not incredibly funny. Like Talking no. Heads were a funny band, right? You don't think of Bono as like a, a famed Joker who is great like, at not taking himself seriously, right? Yeah, <laughs> like there's no like sharpness or wryness there. I wouldn't say he's the sure. one who like comes out on stage and is like, "Let's talk about Nicaragua," you know? Like yeah. he, he takes himself very serious. And Talking Heads, when they did sort of comical things, the the masterstroke was how much they underplayed it. Yeah, like David Byrne's blankness Dryness. sold a lot of right. Whereas Bono does everything full tilt. Bono is not good at understatement. Uh, right. So anyway, anyway he's not anyway. in this movie. He's, he's not. not Bono is the person who's not in this movie. Uh, Eventually, uh, Catherine Bigelow sees Schindler's List and she's like, break me off a piece of this Ray Fiennes because he's fucking awesome. Which in is it. fascinating though because this role is written very much as like an Andy Garcia 90s archetype. Definitely. Totally. He yeah. is a leather jacket wearing, like sweaty American right. fairy, like, yeah, who's kind of like, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm trying, you know, right. like, what can I tell you? That was his whole thing was I mean, like, my take is he's, he's Nicolas Cage in Snake Eyes, but right. just like a little chiller, <laughs> like, but only a little chiller. But Garcia was really good at being like a little too slick but still likable uh yeah a little greasy yeah. but still compelling yeah i mean still I lo- reads as a protagonist right on screen. i i love andy garcia I do too. At, in the early 90s i mean mm-hmm. i mean i love him now i mean yeah. I, don't, I don't mean to beef with poor <laughs> yes. andy garcia these days but like but but that's so weird that she it's, it was schindler's list that's was the thing the that, point i'm making yeah because this is written as a garcia type and then to see schindler's list and be like that's my man 
we now know that Ray Fiennes is like one of the best screen actors in history. Very, very, yes, he's a chameleon. And can in, do in, anything. In a weird sort of a way. Yeah. But if you haven't seen him do a ton of work and then you see him play a very clean cut, humorless Nazi. Yeah. To like chilling effect. No, but there is humor to that performance. That I think that performance is so extraordinary. I also think he's weirdly charming, like even Agreed. though he's also really frightening. Like yeah. that's why it's so good. What do you think of Ray Fiennes? Emily. In this movie? Or sure. in, general? in general? In both. I know. mean, great. Love Rafe Fiennes. Love Rafe. I mean, I was, he was somebody, like, even before I think I had seen any film that he was in, he was somebody that my mom really liked and like had a crush on. Sure. He right. so had it was big, like, like mom crush 90s. Yeah. Right? He was a masterpiece yeah. theater type, even if he wasn't a yes. masterpiece theater type. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I like him. Why not? Rafe Fiennes, great actor. In between this and Schindler's List, he had just made Quiz Show, which he's excellent right. in. Oh, he's yes. so good in that. Uh, in yeah, which, that was in right which, before. That was the year. That's 94. Yeah. Um, in which, so in Schindler's List, he plays a Nazi, right? Right. In a, in a really like top of the line Nazi. One this guy is a Nazi. <laughs> Nazi. One of the best Nazis. <laughs> yes. uh, in Quiz no, Show. No Chris Cantwell, this guy. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, <laughs> in Quiz Show, he's playing like these sort of ultimate wasps. He's playing like this right. very preppy a uh, professor type who's like the whole point of him is that he's very like appealing in a broad way but that's which simil- is why they fixed the quiz sure yeah. both quiz show and Schindler's List he's essentially playing like very sharp so knives square jawed you yes, know right, he's right, like right. very clean cut composed tightly um, but what I, what I like about uh, quiz show is that he's really he's holding on by a thread like yes. you know like even though he looks like that he's he's really nervous about uh, letting his dad down because his yeah. dad so anyway and then after Strange Days, he makes the English Patience. So in the 90s, like... He's on a track. I think he's yeah. having a great run. And then he kind of, like, runs into a wall uh, for a little while. Right. Because it's I like know. the Avengers, sure. Sunshine. I do think he's one of the best screen actors of all time. But that, I think he's a great actor. That 90s run, it was like, oh, he's really good at doing this thing. Like, yeah. by and large, it was like, okay, he's got his mode that he's really good in. Yeah. I'm never going to, you know, discount that. But I don't find it very exciting. But, like, his weird, like... Ten years ago, when he sort of reinvents himself as a character actor, and now it's just been like zagging when all he's over popping the up place. And things like um, in Bruges and uh, right, you're like, oh, and Grand Budapest, and what was the other thing? I think he's really good in the Bond movies. You know what he's great in? What? Another Catherine Bigelow movie, Hurt Locker. The Hurt Locker. He rules yeah. in, which he is like sort of undersung in. He's great in that movie. I think he's weirdly <clears throat> sort of gotten freed up as an actor as he's become more of a. Supporting player, yeah, and even mm-hmm. when he plays lead roles now, they tend to be more character, right? Which like roles. Doesn't have to be, he doesn't have to. Nothing. It le- relies less on his face and his physique, right. I think now. Well, it's except bigger for splash. bigger splash, <laughs> really so relies on his, in that his movie. fucking unbelievable. But I mean, splash. but not yes. in a way where he has to be like a sculpture or something. No, which he uh, used to be the most beautiful. man. He used to be, yeah, he's, yeah. He's quite beautiful. and like still there was a still rest to him. Yes, um, yes. Which is obviously like this is an outlier for that, but. and he right. just has that like cut glass accent yes. that he yes. deploys so well in things like uh, Schindler's List and The English Patient. But in this, he's like, Haha, "I'm Lenny Benito over here," um, you know. Like, this was like I was watching the, this uh, like on my laptop, and and David David Reese, my my roommate, uh, big fan, <laughs> past and future guest, uh, host, host of, of Tar's Talk. Talk. <laughs> <laughs> He walked by and he uh, he hasn't seen this film, so he didn't you know know. It, I think David it, but might get a kick out of this film. I don't know. Like I don't know. I, I was know. like I was like you might have to watch it. It's a little for grody me. for it's him. Pretty yeah. It's it's got a pretty rude tude. This film, but <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah. he 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 walked by. There was a scene. I think it was like the scene in the bar where he's pitching the one guy on on the squig technology, and he's like, "Is that 
Bradley Cooper? I think that tells you everything about this. He is yeah, kind yeah. of doing like yeah, limitless true. Bradley Cooper. Yeah, yeah. Cooper would yeah. could do this right now. Yeah, Coops. totally. I mean, maybe not quite as well. That would be who yeah. you would get. That's now who you, that's who you would get. Yeah. But she got Rafe Fiennes. She got Angela Bassett, who is now only a couple years removed from uh, her Oscar nomination for What's Love yeah, Got that was to 92, Do With It. Yeah, that was 92, 91. I think it's 92. Let me look up Angela. But that yeah, was 93, where, 93. So very, okay. yeah, right And everyone off. thought she was going to be a huge star and it never totally happened. Which yeah. is a, a bummer. massive bummer. Just, but yeah. She's, she's the, fucking dumb. unbelievable. I mean, but she's the best. She remains the best. Like, she, and she if she shows working, up, she's always good. She still has mm-hmm. a career. It just felt like she was going to kind of become like one of the great leading ladies. Yeah. Can yeah. I, can I say sure. a couple more? I mean, Hostella got her group back. Yes. That's a good move. I don't want to obsess over this, but I just want to plant a couple more little quick things about Ray Fiennes, if I can very quickly do so. Okay. Uh, One, I think this performance was the outlier in the 90s that seemed odd. And now in retrospect, this is clearly what he was wishing to do. Sure. Right? And not just be... The decoder ring. Right. Not just be the straight cut guys. I agree with that. And I also think now I find his straight cut performances more interesting because it's clear that that was more of a performance. At the time, it felt like, I guess this is his type. He's emoting these roles well. But that feels as much a character as the later stuff he does. Right. But the other thing that's interesting to me is he seemed, because of his very crisp diction and his good posture and, you know, his nice face and everything, like one of these classically trained, just like, very technical British theater mm-hmm. actors, right? And Wes Anderson yep. said that he hired him for Grand Budapest because he was like, very technical movie, a lot of words. I just wanted to hit his marks and he got to set and Ray Fiennes is like a crazy method actor. Sure. So he's just... <laughs> that he's like not performative and right. that he had like a real difficult time because in Grand Budapest when there would be voiceover, sure. yeah. he would make the actors hold still for like 30 oh seconds in the middle of the shot uh-huh. where he would then place the voiceover later. And Ray Fiennes would like flip out and be like, I can't just be doing nothing for 10 seconds. Oh my my character is living. Wow. I'm Rafe. Team, team Rafe, honestly. Yeah, my character is living. Like, I know. Well, because Wes Anderson sounds like a pain in the ass. No, that's like, so annoying. Yeah. If you're an, an actual actor and you're trying to do a good job and he's yeah. like, no, I've got to do something twee. Like, well, hang on Wes, a second. But Wes Anderson is his he actor's wants little dolls. Right. Yeah. And, right. right. Yeah, you know. But I also think one of the reasons that movie like. Uh, that movie I, is the Wes Anderson movie that I really love. Yeah. And, and I'm not that fond of it. I honestly think that. Guys. Isla Dogs, though. I'm so excited. Isla Dogs, though. You're so excited. <laughs> I'm so, so excited. Uh, I am not excited for nope. that movie. Oh, I'm sorry. No, you no. don't like movies about uh, dogs that make trash planets? <laughs> I mean, I like that. No, honestly, no. But it's... Uh, I'm it's so the, excited. Uh, what uh, I was going to well, say, though, yep. is Grand Budapest, which I think is maybe his best movie, mm. I feel like is elevated by Ray Fiennes because Ray Fiennes probably pushed him in that kind of way. Maybe. Because you watch those scenes and Ray Fiennes is doing shit. Like, Ray Fiennes isn't just being like, I'm not going to fucking stand here like a doll. Yeah. yeah. Um, Juliette Lewis. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, who is, is writing Faith really high at this moment. It's true. I mean, you think about the fact that Juliette Lewis at age uh, whatever, 19, like 21, yeah. is an Oscar nominee. Right. And then she's in Husbands and Wives. She's in What's Eating Gilbert Grape. She's California. in California. She's in Natural Born Killer. Right. She's so it's like, like culturally very tapped mm-hmm. in. But without letting go of her inherent Juliet Lewisness. You know, it's she, like, this yeah. is my star oh, yeah. persona. Yeah. I, I, again, Grody. Like, I'm a Grody star. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I am. <laughs> and it's also a complete. <laughs> and it's the 90s. It's right. the early 90s. It's she a grungy time. She kind of represented something. But she's also a complete dead end. Like, there has never been a movie star like Juliet Lewis before right. her her or after her like uh, she's this yeah. total one-off yeah, like, in terms of her persona Juliet Lewis nobody nobody 
I mean, because uh, even like your Kristen Stewarts are are not like in no. vibe. It's more like in sort of yeah, like. Yeah, and Kristen Stewart is like I, you know, even though she kind, of, I guess it could be argued that she does the same performance in every movie, but she is acting She's like acting. she is really acting. Right. Agreed. Uh, this dumb is J J Law, but like a like J Law is like a nicer version. Yeah, if J Law sure. was grodier instead of just being like. Like you, lol. Like, like Julia Lewis, like. you know, for for anything you want to say about her, she I don't think ever made an effort to be like I'm just like you. Yeah, no, right? <laughs> she's I, like some girl who hasn't washed her hair, who's like smoking behind the Seven Eleven. Like that's who she is. You know, certainly yeah. that's her star persona. I think everyone we're saying has like a bit of Julia Lewis, but I think there's like some jambalaya of what she represented. And let's. <laughs> Let's also, let's also mention she was dating Brad Pitt at the time. Like right. She was dating the hunkiest guy in right. Hollywood. And they, yeah. they hire her partly because she can sing right. or mm-hmm. perform. Didn't want to lip sync the songs. They sure. wanted real she's musical performing PJ Harvey songs yeah. up there. Uh, including Rid of Me, which is like the sort of yeah. the definitive. Yeah. I mean, that, least, really, the that really dates, early PJ Harley, Harvey that dates song. this movie in a, in a weird way for a science fiction movie. Right. Uh, <laughs> it does. It does. But it's kind of great. And then for the fourth lead... Uh, she reaches into the barrel and gets out one of her favorite actors who's in Blue Steel. He's in Point Break yeah. and small roles in both. But Blue Steel, his first film performance ever. She's Correct. the man. She's the woman who put that man on the map. And then she puts that wig on the man. <laughs> the man being Tom Sizemore. Yeah, she sized him up. Yeah. Who is just another like king of like Hollywood Grody. Grody. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. And this movie is his masterpiece. Oh, that yeah. wig is his masterpiece. I was trying to like. <laughs> I was almost mad when the wig got pulled off, and I was like, no, I wanted that yeah. to be his hair. <laughs> I was talking to my friend Hawkin last night about um, uh, Tom Sizemore just because I've seen three Tom Sizemore movies in the last well, week right, now. Because he keeps fucking right. popping up, and he's all over Twin Peaks, uh, which he is. Wild in, yeah. But I was offering uh, this scene he does. Have you? I don't think I've gone to Sizemore yet. Oh my god, I'm oh. woefully behind. Yeah, there's this scene he does that I, I is insane. Uh, sure. I, is like one of the greatest pieces of TV acting I've ever seen. Uh, anyway, carry on. I Sorry. was offering Tom Sizemore as a counterpoint to Robert Downey Jr. How in the '90s both sure. of them were like these are these immensely talented, like naturally very natural actors, actors yes, who are, and they like, can't have a lot get of out presence. of their own way. Sure, mm-hmm. sure, sure, they cannot get out of their own way. Yeah, but Tom Sizemore could not get out of his own way. The There's difference no was with Robert Downey Jr. It always felt like he was like a victim, where it's like, oh god, he's like he can't defeat these demons. And with yeah. Tom Sizemore, you're like. Yeah, it makes sense. That guy's a drug addict. <laughs> like, not to be reductive, uh, but you watch him and you're like, yeah, that's like his entire star quality was the fact that he looked like a guy who just crawled out of the gutter, you know? Sh- sure. I mean, right. No one's surprised to learn that Tom Sizemore he has, has a sheen. You want him to get his shit <laughs> sure. together, but also his sheen is a guy who can't get his shit together. Uh, <laughs> in this movie, he plays Max uh, Peltier. Sure. Is that how you put it? I don't even remember like hearing a, his last name. He's Max. He's, he's Max. Max. He's Max. A, hey, Max. He's a PI, I guess. Uh-huh. But he's sort of like a former LAPD guy. It's sort of was right. It's hard to track everyone. Everyone is sort Did of they, old, he, used, they used to work to for work, the cops. Yeah, right. They yeah. used to work together. I think. Yeah. Is yeah. That- uh, yeah. They used to work together. Now he's a PI, and uh, Lenny Nero, who's Ray Fiennes' character, is a club owner, owner, operator. Wait, what? Doesn't he sort of run that club? I can't even. No. No, he no, doesn't. No. 
No, that's he's just I mean, a squid I'm, dealer. That's all he he's does. He's just a squid dealer. Oh, God, Lenny, get it together, man. His, but his car is pretty nice. Yeah. Well, yeah, and then he's got his a apartment friend. is terrible, his apartment. but he's got a great car. Everyone's apartment Again, in this is very so LA. bad. Yeah, very LA. <laughs> I do. I, I watch this movie oh and I'm like, this is how I feel every time I step off the plane at LAX. Uh-huh. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Like, this is what I see. My mm-hmm. They Live glasses show yeah. me this version of LA. I'm like, this is what everyone's suppressing. The first time I ever went to LA was in like 1997. Uh, sure. My mother was on um, We Live Fortune. So I went with really? her. Really? Wow. Yeah. Or was it 97 or was it 95? I can't remember. I can't tell you when your mother was on yeah, your I can't, yeah. uh, uh, Sorry. Oh, yeah. No, it was 97. Um, Did she win? She won some money. She didn't win the whole okay. thing. But but that, I mean, it was only a couple years later, but like that, I remember going to Hollywood Boulevard. It was still really, really grody. And that was like always my memory of of LA it was just yeah. like this kind of icky feeling. There wasn't a mall there yet. There wasn't sure. anything for like a child to do. So yeah. it's like <laughs> get a uh, screen print t-shirts, t- yeah. t-shirts or whatever. Did you get a screen print t- t- I think t- I did. I don't remember what I got. I don't know. I was very excited by all of it. Mm-hmm. I was, it was, it was very electrifyingly grody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so is LA. I don't know LA very well. I'm always very excited when I'm in LA because it is sort of this weird magical place to me. But is it less? It's, I know it's less grody now, but is oh, it? Oh, yeah. But is it stripped of grodiness it entirely? Looks, it, looks, yeah. it looks basically the same. Sure. That, that scene where there he's going down Hollywood Boulevard and like there are like flaming cars in the middle of the street <laughs> um, and people are like beating up Santa Claus on the sidewalk. <laughs> like that. I've, it, aside from that activity, yeah, sure, sure, it sure. basically looks the same. Hollywood Boulevard is still very grody. Yeah. And, and sections of LA have gotten classed up, but I still right. think it's like a new coat of paint yeah, on a grody sure. heart. Sure. I mean, they're still like, they, they go by this store, it's very recognizable called Hurricane. It has like a very big neon sign, mm-hmm. and that's still there. It's like a stripper store. Mm-hmm. Um, like, yeah, all that, all that business is booming. <laughs> okay, so Lenny's a squid dealer. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Squids. Oh, what does it stand for again? It's a um, it's a real thing, I think. Uh, what? It is. Uh, it's a it stands for superconducting quantum inter interference device. Okay. Which is a sensitive magnetometer used to metal measure magnetic fields. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think this is real technology that James Cameron is theorizing, like maybe one day this we could be used to up. read our own thoughts, essentially, right. yeah, it's, digitize it's, our thoughts. They're essentially like VR documentaries. Sure, you put it's like the, this it's cradle like, cap on your head. Yeah, well, it's like Paprika, um, aka Better Inception, uh, the Satoshi Kon movie. <laughs> yeah, great movie. Because <laughs> there's a uh, there's like a thing that can read your dreams. It basically looks like a squid. Mm-hmm. It's like these little fingers. Yeah. But, um, you but, put you put this thing on. You yeah. plug it into a mini disc player, as yeah. you do. Of course, <laughs> of course. <laughs> and then you can record your dreams, uh, or no, not yeah. your dreams. I mean, you your, can, your 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 whatever your can point make of view. A movie. Yeah. yeah, but but that's that's the thing. They have to get real people to live through these real circumstances. Yes, record right. them so that other people can then live through them secondhand. You want the rush of doing the things you would never have the courage to do in your real life. Right. But it means that these people have to go put themselves in real danger. Right, because early on we see Lenny choreographing a lesbian sex scene where he's kind of giving advice on like how to make it feel real real. to the actors. I mean, It's all the senses too, we should point out. It's not just seeing, it's feeling. You feel like your whole experience. It is just plugged into your cortex. Right. And I mean, it it reminds me of when... when they first came out with like 360 degree cameras and I was I was like so convinced that the new reality television was going to be like Kim Kardashian would have one of these cameras on and you would just like 
plug in yeah. to her experience. Right. That's basically what this is, except with non-famous people, basically like porn stars. Was that famous sure. people, um, like people like that who are famous for the sake of being famous would essentially let their lives become being John Malkovich. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Where it's like you're paying you a subscription. You ride around on the, in their head. Right, right. Yeah. You once a month pay seven ninety nine to be able to watch Kim Kardashian at any moment in time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, which is also like the neuromancer thing too with the, what's it called? Um, it has some other uh, name, but like the same thing uh, or this, uh, uh, stem sim. That's what it's called because it's the same. Because uh, it, it's also a thing that re- replicates um, like neural activity. So uh-huh, it's the whole uh-huh. experience, this not is just embarrassing. visual. What you're thinking of is the Simpsons, Emily. That's, <laughs> that's I hate uh, to that? Simpson from uh, Gibson, right? <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, right, right. Yeah. right. Um, so it's a family sitcom. That is people. <laughs> that is the tech. Bart is a yeah. bad boy. They do a really good job explaining. Like, there's like a. There's like a scene that I feel like could easily feel clunky where they explain, he explains the technology when he has the client, it's like the lawyer or something, like the very preppy dude. Yeah. Um, and like they get, they get everything out of the way. They're like, this was military technology sure, yeah, that yeah, yeah. got like put on the black market. It's um, always military, it just like Inception yes. where they're yeah. like, a military designed this. Why? <laughs> hey, don't worry about don't it. Know. Anyway, here's the squid thing. Yeah. No, yeah. carry on, carry on. But I mean, it's like it's like a really good economic scene, and you also get to see like a first timer, not somebody like Lenny, who's like who knows this technology inside and out. You get to see a first timer, basically us, yes. experience it for the first time, which but is the, great. The thing I love about it is that scene comes like fifteen, twenty minutes into the movie. Yeah, yeah. They've already shown us a couple of the videos. They've shown right. people filming the things, going through the actions. Like, right. she's doing a lot of showing, not telling. So you already think you kind of got it, and mm-hmm. then she's got this one scene where she just like connects all the dots yep. and makes sure you totally have it. But the opening of this movie we should talk about is like fucking oh, yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, there's what appears to be one continuous shot of a guy being chased by cops right. that lasts like four and a half minutes. And it's from the dude's POV. Yeah. Right. And uh, the, the way they shot these things was, it was fucking hard. It's yeah. 1995. Yeah. Like it's hard to get a handheld camera there to no behave GoPros. that way. Right. right. By yeah. all accounts, that was most of the budget was that those sequences were really, really complicated <laughs> and, it, and they had to do some Cameron-esque pushing technology beyond where it had been yes, up they, until that point. It was a stripped down Ari that weighed weighed much less than the smallest Amo. I don't know, camera stuff. but uh, Ari Alexa, and yet, I believe they're talking about this. And yet it would take all the prime lenses. I love hearing all this camera shit. Huh. Uh, I mean, why wouldn't I? There were camcorders then, though. But I think I the quality would look so bad. But I think it they does wanted, look bad. Though. It looks a little bad, but, but it doesn't. Yeah. It looks pretty it's, uh, it's, seamless. I guess it's like it's more dimensional. And, than, and no one was using digital video at that point in time. Right. Like the only way you were going to do that is if there was a scene with someone's home movie and it was supposed to look bad. Yeah. And even then, you were transferring the home movie onto a TV yeah. screen and then shooting that in 35 millimeter. It's so wild how. How much more stuff we figured out since It's true because I think yeah. even when I'm thinking about camcorders back then, I think like it would just be too shaky if anyone like moved. Yeah, there's right? no st- stability, or there maybe it was, was a little bit it'd of that. Be tough to stabilize yeah, yeah. it. But do you remember when like Michael Mann started shooting a digital video and everyone was like, "This looks fucking awful. Like this doesn't yeah. look like a real movie. Sure. You or, can't do this." Or you watch Spike Lee's Bamboozled and you're yes. like, "Wow, this movie example. looks yeah. insane." It like uh, immediately made a movie look low rent. Like everyone right. had this very very literal sense of how a movie was supposed to look which yeah. was tied to film yeah um, but it was very hard uh, the opening sequence which features the long jump right uh, he which jumps between buildings is incredible which yeah. was done without a safety harness uh, and by a stunt performer was really 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 hard apparently according to what I'm reading it's really <laughs> effective and visceral and the 
greatest thing about it is they make it look very seamless and easy. Yeah, was it actually one long take? Long take or uh, that's a good question. There no in there? It probably is, isn't it? It's hard to imagine I, I don't, how I don't remember. Yeah. yeah, I'd have to write. I don't know, but I mean, it have was you a, guys like it took you a long time to coordinate at this point in, in this podcast, which I, I already admitted I haven't listened to any of yet. Have you guys There's delved? Only been two episodes. Yeah, but have you guys delved into the question of like why Catherine Bigelow is so hardcore? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, what is it that motivates her hardcoreness? Because she is she's, the most hardcore. She's yeah, like for better hardcore. and for worse. And this movie, I feel like, is a prime example of that. She is like the most hardcore and doesn't quit. She uh, likes to push uh, genre and medium in into new directions. I don't know. I don't know. It's hard to uh, get into. She is a semi autistic who went to Whitney Art School, uh-huh. like the Whitney Institute. And was very interested in male violence yeah. from yeah. an early like point in her career. Well, like we don't have like the like like backstory on her that's like fills in the gaps and like help, helps us understand. It, I don't something. know if there's an easy line to she, draw. Right. She certainly. doesn't do as many interviews. I mean, she's certainly like the least public. She doesn't yeah. director of all the people we've covered so far who she all have larger personalities well, and personalities. And I've been reading some of her interviews, but she's very straightforward right. about like. Uh, how she makes things she's but very cagey about, about her motivation right. like, or whatever she's just sort of like I don't well, know it's the movie is the movie yeah. you know like it's a lot of like that sort of well, stuff well it's just the right. polar opposite I think of now like especially young directors or new directors who are showing up like women have directors have narratives about themselves well maybe. especially female directors sure. and yeah like the, you're expected to have a thing of like some political motivation that you choose the topics that you do. Sure. And or that or it's like I growing up, I was uh, yeah, you know, yeah. uh, watching these movies and wondering X or I was watching these movies and inspired by Y. Yeah. Carry on. Sorry. Yeah. I no, I mean, no, but it's just like I, I didn't know if you guys had any like insight on that because this scene, this opening scene is such a like. This yeah. scene's fucking hardcore. I, it's amazing. I, well, <laughs> I know you go crazy when I try to like assign too much autobiographical baggage to movies by directors. But, I do, but <laughs> well, well put. But Blue Steel really does kind of feel like the urtext to me. Blue Steel. Well, Blue Steel's a great movie, right? But that movie. Have you seen Blue Steel? No. I no. think you would get a kick out of that movie, Emily. Okay. It uh, rules. But the yeah. whole movie is Jamie Lee Curtis as this cop who everyone's like, "You're really pretty. Why do you need to be a cop?" Mm-hmm. And she's just like, "This is what I want to do. I want to bash people's head through." Walls. Right. The, 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 there's a great scene where a guy is sort of like at a at a picnic is trying to kind yeah. of pick her up, like trying to. Nag her a little bit where he says mm-hmm. that and she says, I like to bash people's head against a wall and his face just kind of falls and she just sort of smiles at him and like pats him on the but head. A, <laughs> the character has this like hardcore sense of morality. She yeah. grew up seeing a lot of injustice around yeah. her and she wants to correct that, which, it, yeah. you know, Catherine Bigelow is very clearly a very politically, socially, yeah. you know, activated person. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, sociopolitically rather than politically, socially. Um but uh, also, I think she's just innately a hardcore person. Yeah. Like, as much as we want to find out that she fell into a radioactive vat of hardcore people. <laughs> sure. You know? Hardcore people? Yeah. My joke is That's that a- every Batman villain fell into a vat of radioactive yeah. whatever they the penguins are. Penguins fell into a vat of radioactive penguins. <laughs> right. Right, yes. right, 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 right. <laughs> yeah, so she fell into a radioactive vat of ex-gamers or whatever. Right, yeah. And she right. came out and she was like, we're going to strap a camera yeah. to this person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I mean, like the Hurt Locker is a uh, crazy hardcore movie. Yeah. We'll get to yeah. that where she's yeah. like, uh, "Put on that suit, Jeremy. It's yeah. 130 degrees right now. Yeah, right. Like you know." Uh, and she wants him to be sweating his ass off, and mm-hmm. like, yeah. 
But even like the fact that she was actually doing like cleanup efforts after the LA riots, I think speaks a lot about yeah. her because yeah. I sure. don't think a lot of people who were directing studio movies at that point in time right. were going and doing yeah. right. And like I, as far as I can tell, it wasn't like it was for research or something, or like as part of a project. It was just something no, that she I, cared about, right. which is just I don't know. I think oh, yeah. I mean, I it's also she's... just generally hardcore to make this movie after Point Break. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, like after Point Break, you could really jump into Hollywood's A list. Yeah. Yes. And there's no way she's making this movie and thinking like, no, I think this will this is gonna play. Like this is definitely right. gonna be a broad hit. I don't know. I mean, this movie it should is... be. I mean, it should. <laughs> should I mean, we, should we, we? We could get into Let's it get into more later. Plot. But yeah, I yeah. Mean, I just want to say two things before we like fully delve into it. I, yeah. I think the point you're making is correct, which is that like the easy thing for her to do after Point Break would have been to direct the next big blockbuster by any of the A-list action stars at the time. Like sure. you imagine, she could have directed the next Bruce Willis movie, the next Schwarzenegger movie. They right. said like, sure. "Welcome right. to the majors. Here you go." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, and instead she makes like her her real blank check movie, and she casts Ray Fiennes as the lead. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No. Okay. Also, I'll say that Ray Fiennes is probably the reason that this doesn't make sense because I think if you did have a Bruce Willis in that role, I think the movie then this would have been right. a bigger quite possibly. Deal. I think you so. could you could have gone a little more ordinary with your leading man. Commercially, a very yeah. odd choice, at that especially point since. And I, yeah. I love this poster. Yeah, but uh, uh, what yeah. a poster right. where it's uh, just his face and yeah. then it says, you know, you want it. And yeah. you're so like, great. you know, you want what? Strange days. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> Nazi from Schindler's List. <laughs> except now he's got a beard. <laughs> oh, boy. I, I do like the three, the three, uh, what the one of, uh, of him and yes, and the Angela three Bassett. heads yeah, and, the, and Julia yeah, Lewis giving yeah. us her grody stare. Yeah. Can I make like... my second point before we fully dig <laughs> I, into I it? I really would like you to. just because I'm a connoisseur of context. Right. And I think the table needs to be set properly. It must be acknowledged before we discuss Strange Days that Mack Weldon believes in smart design, premium fabrics, and simple shopping. Yep. That's a fact. We have to acknowledge that. I, I don't know why you get so aggro about it. We, no, we know. But just contextually. I'm nodding. It's worth noting that Mack Weldon will be the most comfortable underwear, socks, shirts, undershirts, hoodies, and sweatpants that you'll ever wear. That's a, that's a fact. Right? You're, you're Mr. Facts today. I mean, I look, can I, can I throw out a hot take? <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh-huh. And I don't mean to be incendiary when I say this. Uh-huh. They have a line of silver underwear and shirts that are naturally antimicrobial. Yeah, which means they, they eliminate odor. They don't smell. I mean, that's some that's some freaky sci-fi shit right there. I'm not going to get any woke points for saying that, but it needs to be said. Uh, yeah. You know? I'm, ad- uh, I'm addressing the ills of society head on. Uh, no, and they want you to be comfortable. So if you don't like it, you can send it back. Here's my impression of you ordering Mac Weldon. Yeah. Mm, this is my first pair. Uh, well, I don't like me, it. Let me send reason. it back. L- refund. No, you, you can, can ask any questions. It. I'm actually, I'm, I'm wrong. You can actually keep it and oh. they'll just refund you. No questions asked. Okay. That's kind of, that's kind of wild. So then here's my impression of an idiot. Okay. God. Okay. Mm, Mac Weldon. Oh, I don't like this. I'm just going to keep it and ask for my money back. Sure. You dummy. Why don't you like it? It's good for you. <laughs> okay. It's, it's like a squib on your body. A squib? Yeah, a squid. A squid. You're, you're, you're tying it back to Strange Days. What I'm saying is, if Strange Days lets you live the life of another person, yeah. right, with the technology it presents, the squid, Mac Walden Close is doing the same thing, which is like, what would it be like to live as someone who's comfortable? You know you want it. You know you want it. And if our listeners want it? Well, look, let's say you want it, but you want 20% off. Right. It's conditional. I want it, but I want 20% off. There's a promo code for that. You don't leave the box blank. 
Yeah, this is your this is your bit. You don't leave it blank. In the word oh blank. You put in blank. Yeah. To get 20% You got to put a blank in there. At macweldon.com. Yes. Uh yeah, I think I think I think that covers. Right. I think that's most of the context we need to talk about strange days. I think it's all it's all connected. You know you want it to quote the uh tagline for strange days. Right. Yeah. And macweldon.com, the promo code blank. Here's my here's my tagline for macweldon. Uh, sure. Clothes so good, so efficient at fighting odor. Sure. That even Tom Sizemore would smell good and look clean wearing. <laughs> that is, that that's like the sort of triple A rating. Right? Yeah. You know what I mean? Where it's like the Tom Sizemore like, rating. One A is Brad Pitt. You know, right. notoriously an odorous man. But looks two good. is two looks Sean good. Penn. Two is Sean Penn. Right. Three is Sizemore. Yeah. Right. And this has climbed Mount Sizemore. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, strange days. Strange days. Okay, so we start with this opening sequence of the guy being chased by the Terrific. Cops. And then, yes, and then we realize this is... You're placed directly into it, and yeah. then the, uh, a, the helmet a comes A squid off. recording. Because he dies at the end. Right. <laughs> and, and, and Lenny's not into that. He's like, I don't yeah. like snuff. He's I don't got like that principles. Right. Uh, he we learned that our main character has principles. I, and also, <laughs> it's like... We, we, and I love that though. It's like he's got principles, but I mean, the second you see this guy, you're yeah. like, oh, this guy has maybe a few principles. Yeah, like, right. you know, a couple. <laughs> but he's um, also like, he's a squid dealer, but he's also like kind of like a squid studio executive. Like, he's yeah. sure, people know right. it's where it's like, look, audiences don't like this when well, you do that. He needs that. good product. He needs well, he's, good like product. A, he's a drug dealer, so he's, he's a right. connoisseur of the product. Sure. Uh, I, I guess not getting high on his own supply. He has his own, he has, or I don't know. Not on what he yeah. sells people, but, but on his own personal stuff. It's like you were saying about the, the future of reality TV that maybe will come, maybe won't. Uh, where it's like there is something necessarily exploitative about these videos. They yeah. have to involve yeah. people. Yeah, and that's what he says too. Is just like, you know, that there's not a market for... I think later on, he's talking to somebody like, you're not going to like watch a video of somebody skiing. Right. If you can ski yourself. It needs to be right. something that you would never you do. You can never do. And you yeah. see one example of this technology used in a benign way, which is the guy who has no legs getting a squid video of yeah. a guy walking down the beach. Like, sure. yeah. that's pretty much the only time I think we see it used for what we could argue is like good. Shades of Avatar. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's like altruism to that. But yeah. apart from that, it's like sex it's and violence. And, and but yeah. he does have his line. Like he views the, the snuff squid sure. dealers derisively. Mm-hmm. That's not what he stands for. Right. Yeah. Um, so at the same time as Le- Lenny Nero is being a squid man, we've great got- Great name, Lenny Nero. Lenny Nero is a so terrific good. name. Mm-hmm. It like fits him so perfectly. It's so great. Anyway. You, you've got this uh, prostitute called Iris who's on the run uh, from these LA cops played mm-hmm. by Vincent D'Onofrio. Mm-hmm. And William Fickner. A really good duo. That's how you know that they're going to be really nice guys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Really good people. Oh, they're LA cops? Well, who's playing them? <laughs> I'm not sure how I feel about this. Oh, so they're emotional. Oh, Vinny and Billy? Oh, they'll, they'll be fine, right? Those are two stand-up gents. Emotionally balanced and... Em- <laughs> yeah, their faces don't look like cinder blocks. <laughs> we... Um, I oh wait, I need to look up this. Uh, wait, is William Finchner is that his name? Yeah, Fichtner. I never Fichtner. quite know yeah. how you say his name because it's, it's sort of a funny name. I yeah. love that actor so. No, much. yeah, he's like so recognizable as, as he's like. A this classic is like guy, but... basically his debut. He's oh, really? in a bunch of movies yeah. this year because he's in Heat, mm-hmm. which he's a lot of fun in. 
He's in Virtuosity, which is a classic mid-90s sci-fi yeah. movie that is bad, but right. in kind of a fun but way. But was successful. It's kind of a, an interesting counterpoint to this movie. It, was, it wasn't It was that successful. But have you guys, well enough, right? Have you guys looked at his, because um, I, I, I looked this up when I was uh, earlier. Um, Give us. His biography on IMDb. Oh, I love overwritten IMDb biographies. I'm just going to read you the first line. I'm just going to read you the first line. Please do. Please do. A small town guy with a big heart, William Fichtner has been captivating the hearts of Western New Yorkers for decades. Only Western New Yorkers? <laughs> Why? I don't know. I mean, he's from Long Island, but still, uh, come but, like, on, it's William. Not like it's we like, all love you. It's not like that's an old bio from his theater days or something. Like This <laughs> right. includes credits up to up to The Dark Knight. Sure. Like, yeah. Like, this is not an old bio, apparently. You also, it's so strange. He's, from, he's use, also from Buffalo. I guess he okay. was born on Long Island, grew up in so Buffalo. So he's talking about, like, his family and friends. You cannot use heart twice in one sentence like that. That's true. That does not work. Um, uh, here are his three trademarks on yeah. listed on IMDb. Uh, often per- portrays antagonistic characters. Sure. sure. Look, looks like a guard dog. <laughs> Deeply gravelly, <laughs> commanding voice. Sure. He's got a great yeah, voice. Attached earlobes. Those are his three <laughs> qualities. Because he's got, you know, that thing where the uh, earlobes just sort of flow right yeah, into the face? Right. He can't anyway. wiggle them. Um, it's a recessive. It's a recessive gene. You know what? Maybe there's a nice kind of humility to that bio because he's saying like, look, yes, I've been working my way into the hearts of Western New Yorkers, the people I actually know. Yeah. I'm not egotistical yeah, enough right. to the, assume that audiences love Billy me. Billy is <laughs> for Western New Yorkers. Right. Everything else is gravy. Right. But that's, they that's might, the meat. Look, they might enjoy my work, but they're not in love with me in the same way my, my family is, my friends are. He's also know? just that kind of actor who has nine projects in production right now yeah. on yeah. IMDb. Like, he just works. Right. I mean, that guy is just in a lot of stuff. He's the guy <laughs> who does, like, a guest spot on a TV show during his lunch break of filming a day player <laughs> yeah. role in a movie. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so Fickner's in it. I mean, we're we're like totally hyping up Fickner, who's in you know five, five he minutes. He runs of the movie. and holds a gun in this movie. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, he does uh, kill himself gruesomely on screen right at the end. Well, I guess spoilers. that was yeah. Spoilers. <laughs> we're gonna get there. We're gonna get there. Uh, so so Iris right. is running. Iris is being chased. It's a Union yeah. Station Metro. Yes, uh, they shot on the Metro, which I think was quite complicated too. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, and they pull her wig off, and it turns out she's got a headset. It's a great like, moment. God damn great it. One moment. of these fucking kids causing this problem. And then you're, if you're watching this in 2017, you're like, oh, it's about body cams, too. Well, like, that's the thing. Yeah. Now, there is a hopeful note to this movie, which is interesting, but mm-hmm. I think that's something that Bigelow think, is thinking coming out of the LA riots, where mm-hmm. it's like capturing. Uh, these images is vital. Yeah. Like, yes. you know, and obviously yeah. so much, the Rodney King beating is captured on mm-hmm. a camera and that's why it's exposed. And like, yeah. right. Like yeah. also speaks to like Bigelow's whole thing, which is like, I'm not going to give you lessons. I'm not making grand statements. I'm trying to represent the way things are. This thing we right. talk about that like works in our favor when it really works and works against her when it doesn't yeah. work. Yep. Um, but but it's just like these images need to exist. These stories need to be told. Mm-hmm. These things need to be communicated. And then how you respond to it is up to you. Right. Well, that's what I like about it. Like the squid technology is kind of creepy yeah. and kind of she's not like presenting it as like some savior no. of the future. No. But at the right. same like, time, she's at, like, look at this like defining feature of this horrible future I've created. Right. right. But like. she is saying like there is like the camera is is itself is unemotional. Yes. But what I love about the squid is that it is so emotional. Like because mm-hmm. you're feeling it, as right. Ben mm-hmm. pointed out, and then later during the most harrowing scene mm-hmm. in the movie, the whole point is that yeah. 
this guy is using it to sort of like transfer his emotions onto her. her. But, But it's an art form, if you can call it that, that exists without any sense of like editorialization. Like it's just well, experiential. R- r- right. And that, then your emotions, you know. Look, man, this is obviously what she's fascinated by in mm-hmm. movies like Detroit. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Uh, I just I think. Don't know. I know. <laughs> go, please go ahead. Well, I just feel like this is more of a complete sentence than Detroit. Yes, I agree. it is. Like, I mean, it just, yes. I'll say watching this and I had never seen it before. I was like, why would she want to make Detroit? Sure. Like, what is there of intrigue? to her in making Detroit. I think it was more of intrigue to Mark Bull and he sold her on it because he's the generator of those movies. But it feels like a very literal version of much of what she's getting at in this movie, but also on a much smaller scale with with a lot less to say. Right, focusing on one very specific incident. We're going to talk about Detroit. We'll we'll talk about it. We keep on every episode slipping in one negative opinion of Detroit. That's been like a runner throughout the season. Just because it's frustrating no, know, because it I just know. fucking came out. We're talking yeah, about you know, it. It's not time. like right. having Dunkirk to look forward to during the during Sure, the Nolan. this is true. And I like, I like Catherine Bigelow in general more than I like Nolan, but like Dunkirk is such an exciting thing to get we to We committed to that. doing Nolan and Bigelow back to back. And yeah. we were like, man, they each have a big movie coming out this yeah. summer. Yep. They're, and like at the time it seemed, I would have maybe bet a little more money on Detroit working artistically I, over Dunkirk. I would not have, but. No, a little I more. I might have no. given two more cents to Detroit. Bigelow. Had red flags right from the start. Right, uh, I would say. But I, you know, I, was I certainly was the, like, I like, yeah. I liked her last two movies, and right. I was certainly like, hey, I, you know, Catherine Bigelow is a serious director. And I want to see what she makes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, she was on a good run. Um, Strange days. Strange days. I'm sorry, um, I keep saying that. I don't so then, no, no. Thank you for the correction. It's it's worth correcting. Strange <laughs> Doss. Uh, <laughs> D.O.S. So Ray finds. <laughs> oh yeah. Baby. We also get this movie is in DOS. We get early on because he's not a guy who loves squidding himself. You know, he it's his job. He Ray, watches yeah, it to sample Lenny. supplies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he is watching these videos of Juliet Lewis reliving yes. his relationship. He's reliving their nicer days. Right. It's really just one video. Nicer it's, DOS, yeah. but yeah. Um, can we talk about Juliet Lewis's outfit? Can we talk about all her outfits? I, I mean, mean, but this one is also sometimes her lack of outfits. Yeah, well, well, the fishnet. You mean yeah. like? No, this is the roller skating one where she's wearing. Right. I wrote it down sure. because I, I, I did. You know, I, I kind of watched it cursorily as I was rewatching it for this podcast. But um, she's wearing what like a long sleeve, like maybe like a Henley type shirt or something without a bra, obviously. Right. That goes Um, sort of to like uh, a little bit above her belly button. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, it's like a, like a long underwear shirt or something. Like, I don't know. It's a a shirt where the sleeves end right above the elbow. Yes. uh, For some reason, you know, right over the elbow. Okay. And then she's wearing a very, not a, not a thong, but like a very spare bikini bottom. Yes. And, and then, then leg warmers. Leg warmers. Up to the thigh. Well onto the thigh. You I know, mean, like halfway up the thigh. You, this outfit, Griffin, if you don't it's, Yeah, no, I remember. Yeah, Crazy. sure, sure. Yeah. I and mean, not only that, they are in uh, public. The, they're, they're like in Venice, Venice Beach, Beach or whatever, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, she, she also, like now, this should be the new like substitute instead of Kris Jenner. Because, you know, like the meme now is like, you're doing great, sweetheart. Or like, you're doing amazing, sweetie. You're doing amazing, sweetie. That's, what right. she's, yes, that's yeah, all yeah. she's saying in the scene is, you're doing amazing, sweetie. Like this, while she's roller skating around in her bikini. It's so weird. It's, it's wild <laughs> stuff. 
But also you have these like two extended keep scenes. Keep saying wild. Uh, sorry, carry on. So, yeah, strange is, is the wild. word you're looking for. Strange. Uh, you have two extended scenes where she just like ve- very casually takes off her clothes and remains undressed for a period of time that yeah. just becomes very banal. Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, the, like, she's there's often a, right. either nude or semi-nude. Right, yeah. in, a, in a weird kind of way where it's like even when you're watching his squid video and it's obviously like a memory of his that is sexual – the way she's depicted is very non-sexual because sure, it's just like someone casually being in their own home. Right. Yeah, it's yeah, just yeah, like yeah, yeah. living with your girlfriend or whatever. Right. Like, and then you the know, same thing when she's changing. Right. <laughs> when she's changing backstage after the concert and it's just like, yeah, yeah. it's like it's a dressing room. Yeah. Like, this yeah. is just kind of what happens. Yeah. Um, so she, they used to date. Now she's dating uh, Philo Gant. Gross <laughs> record producer. Uh, played by Michael Wincott. Who, and not Bono. Uh, not Bono, who I think of mostly as the villain in The Crow. Uh, oh, right. Where yeah. he has the one of my favorite villain names of all time. Top Dollar? Top Dollar. <laughs> uh, which is, The Crow is like if Strange Days was less restrained. <laughs> that movie is hysterical. I yeah. love I've that movie. I've never seen The Crow. It I've is never seen it. One of those movies where every second you, my critical brain is like, this is bad, bad. Bad, David. Bad, bad, bad. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know, but like, it's pretty great, you know. Like, oh man, that movie is amazing. It's a lot of movie. Wait, oh, so God, when do so we? Weird. When do we? When are we introduced to to Philo Gant? Or do we don't uh, we don't know that she's dating him till later. All we know is like right because Philo Gant's already we're already seeing him on screen. <laughs> oh right, because like, he's the manager of he, Jericho One. He's right. the manager of Jericho One, played by Glenn Plummer, who yeah. was like he another who's another actor where I'm like just like. Yeah, camera zoom like crash into my face and it's mm-hmm. like I'm in 1995 yeah. like if yeah, I yeah, see yeah. Glenn Plummer <laughs> in a movie because Glenn Plummer I mean he's in Menace to Society he's in Speed which I love him in he's yeah. in Showgirls which is kind of where the wheels come off the bus for him uh, sure uh, the, the speed bus uh, yeah uh, he's weirdly one of the only people who recurs and is in Speed 2 because oh. he's the Jaguar owner in Speed, right? Who Keanu hijacks, and then and he he's in the car with him, and he's like, "If you get a scratch on this car, I'm gonna kill you," you know. And then I, for some reason, he's also in Speed too, which is weird because Keanu Reeves is not anyway. Right, right, right. His relationship is no is longer with in Keanu. the movie. I know. They, right. Anyway, so we're seeing on video only. Uh, we're hearing about Jericho One. Yeah, it's on right. the news or something. Who yeah. is a rapper slash activist? Yeah. What's kind of a two pack? Two pack. Yes. Jesus Christ! A two pack <laughs> analog in terms Didn't of that. Right. <laughs> his uh, his cultural cachet, but also what he represented politically yeah. and all of that. Yeah. Right. And Tupac uh, is not killed until after this movie comes no. out. Two, two uh, this movie is sort of eerily, and not that not to say that Tupac was assassinated by the police, although I'm sure. But there was a definitely a that narrative I mean, yeah, that was yeah, out yeah. there, and like he was certainly paranoid about that kind of thing. Yes, as well, yes, yes for understandably. Sure. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um. So I guess so. I think we're hearing about Philo via that, right? Yeah, you're seeing him uh, news Philo? reports, right? Philo? Right, right. But it's kind of a thing that everyone. She says Philo, and then other people say Philo. Look. Do you there? There's so many movies where it's like the cast has not just been like briefed on how to pronounce somebody's name. Right, it. right. It's like yeah. kind of a pet peeve of mine. I can't think of any off the it's, top of my head. Right but now, it's but you're like, right, and especially yeah. in like a sci-fi movie where maybe a name is kind of made up. Like, yeah. let's let's all agree yeah. on what this name is. I've had things like that where sometimes it's like really fucking hard when they don't give you the advance note. 
So you're like working on your scenes and you like prepping mm-hmm. your head and you think you know what the reading is and then you get to set and they're like, oh, everyone's been saying it this way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You practice at that time and then the take where you say it the wrong time, you regress back to the way you practice it is yep. the best one performance wise. Right. There's a weird thing in the tick where like it's mostly in the remaining six episodes that haven't been released yet that we have shot. Uh, for people who keep asking if we'll get to make more episodes, we are done uh, with uh, the rest with of season this one. season at least. Um, but there's a fictional country and a fictional language that becomes a bigger part of the second half of the season. Sure. And they cast like three different actors who had to play people from that country. Mm-hmm. And so the first actor kind of got to cast the die in terms of like his interpretation of what it sounded like. And then the second actor comes to set and it's like two episodes later and she's playing someone from the same country. And you go like, do you direct her to sound more like the first guy? Or do you go like, well, they're regional accents within a country and also every person has their own voice. Like it gets into weird stuff. Hmm. Anyway, in this movie, they all say his name differently. (laughs) Thanks for that. Yep. (laughs) I know it's a thing I've been thinking about a lot. Mm -hmm. So Uh, Lenny's got two best friends. Just like anyone else, his two best friends are. Hashtag the two friends. Right, his former LAPD partner who's now a PI and has a giant blonde wig. Right. Kind of looks like Brett Michaels. That friend we like all have. We all have a guy like that in our crew. Yeah. yeah. Right, and then his other pal is Mace, who is a limo driver, who's like the best dressed, most amazing woman on the planet. Yeah. And you're kind of like, wait, why is she a limo driver? Which is never explained. Right. Like, it's like, but she's like also kind of a bodyguard because her, right. her limo is bulletproof, right? Her limo is an which awesome is bulletproof limo. <laughs> yeah. But it's like I, a tank. I'm like, does she own the limo business? Is she a contractor? Right. Is it just her limo and she just does awesome well, limo if shit. you're a person who needs a bulletproof limo hey, you man. go to her you know and it call. probably costs more than a regular limo so she's probably able to generate quite a bit of business from that I, um, the word that comes to mind whenever i see angela bassett in a movie both in terms of like her acting but also the character she's playing regardless she, of the film is impressive yeah she's yes. right, like sure. anyone angela bassett plays so becomes an impressive person where you're like yeah. wow that person i love how she's styled like i love yeah. her outfits yeah. I, all these blazers and uh, stuff oh my it, god just badass blazers uh, i love her in this movie her backstory is that she like he was nice to her when she was a cop when he was no. a cop yeah it goes beyond that wait no it, she wasn't a cop though. When he was a no, cop, he was, he was a cop. A, no, I'm right. saying when he was a cop, she and her. He was hus- nice to her. Her husband, her husband was abusing her or something. Is yeah, her. I think it's her boyfriend was uh, like right. arrested on like drug charges or something oh. and left was, her with a child and yeah. he sort of became a surrogate father figure and ally. It's a to her. little. It's just a really brief flashback. Where it he is. Gets it. Yeah. It and is. it's like, but it's like there to inform us. Like he's like a shithead, and she has a very short fuse with him. But like then we see that flashback and understand why they hang out. He was right. like their bond there is. when no one else was. Right. Sure. But yeah. right, like because right. like so much of their relationship is she's like, I don't approve of you being a squid dealer. Yeah. And I'm like, well, if you don't, I mean, like then why then do you hang why out with him? Squid dealer. Yeah. <laughs> like that seems to be eighty percent of his <laughs> life. The thing is that he was the one person who was there for her during her tough DOS. Yeah. So now she's there for him during his strange DOS. Can. <laughs> Can I, I can see my face right now? Can I unhappy is how I maybe offer it. <laughs> uh, um, a maybe not uh, I don't know universally agreed upon sure. assessment of this, Serve which is just that like I didn't I didn't really re- pick up on the fact that she was in love with him. 
until maybe the end of the film. I, I don't actually disagree. It's certainly, she's not hitting that hard. Because she's yeah. just such a badass and he's such a weasel. Yeah. And it's like, well, I right. would You're not kind of like, that. why would she? Like, yeah, yeah, like, sure, she aside could be from the performance, just the facts of the relationship. It's right. just like. She's so much higher status than yeah. him. Right. Well, right. And like, I love that in the first hour of this movie, which like nothing really happens for the first hour of the movie. Like things are happening, it's but like there's no building. plot yes. for us mm-hmm. to follow. Right. Uh, two times he presents a fake Rolex as collateral yes. to different people who he is trying to like keep on the line. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's so sweaty. He's like running around. He's like, ah, yeah, yeah, no, no, it's all fine. It's all fine. Like everything's going to work out, you know? And like, yeah, he, he's on the, like his last uh, poker chip, right? Mm-hmm. Like right. however you want to put it. But there's some point early on in the first hour, I think where he says like, well, you're in love with me, you know, or something mm-hmm. like that. But you almost interpret it as just like a like, fuck you. you yeah. Know? yeah. And it's yeah. kind of him again with his inflative opinion of right. himself. Yeah. It takes a while to be like, oh, literally she is in love with you. Right. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Max is introduced when he pulls that like great bit that we all love when he points a gun at Lenny oh, and he's like, so you're funny. under arrest. Yeah. It's and then, so funny and cool. And yeah. screws up Lenny's <laughs> drug deal. And yeah. then he's like, ha 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 I'm uh, so funny. I'm just, I'm just fucking with you. <laughs> Five comedy points. Five comedy points to Which, Max. Which, again, if you're going to be friends with Tom Sizemore, yeah, that's probably what you have to put up with, right? Right. Yeah, where he right. points real guns at your head and he's like, ha, 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 I'm yeah. the cops. Um, I, uh. I do think it is interesting, though, that, like, the love triangle aspect, which was apparently, like, Very the nucleus of Cameron's entire idea for this movie, yeah. kind huh. of just becomes a thing. Like, yeah. she's so much more invested it's in the world that she's It's definitely not building. the nucleus of this movie. Yeah, no. it feels much more, like, when, when, she, when she's frustrated with him and when she's, like, frustrated with him still pining for Juliette Lewis, it feels more like she just wants him to be a better person yes. than the fact that she's in love with him and upset that he's still in love with this other woman, which is, like, far more compelling to me than if she just, like, wants to give him a smooch. We also like, we talked about this in the blue steel episode, but I always like bemoan the lack of movies about just like a man and a woman who are friends and work together. And it never crosses a line. Sure. And I'm not like saying I never want people to end up together. But I always feel that pang of disappointment where, like, I make it through the first hour of a movie and it's like, oh, they're just peers. Yeah. They're just peers. And then when they kiss, I'm just like, okay, fine. Fine. But. It would I be do. nice if you just depicted a male family. Oh. Spoiler, I like when they kiss. I like when yeah, they I kiss like when too. They're pretty people. My, my <laughs> argument is always like, look, if I want them to kiss, I will shout kiss at the screen. Which uh, <laughs> I do. Which I do. David Kiss Sims. Which I literally actually do do at home, uh, right. which people who have watched movies with me at home can totally. You uh, also do that to all of your friends. You have a bit of a reputation. I do, yeah. I tell them to make when out. When people have crushes on people. I'm like, just make out with them. Kiss them. Kiss them. Kiss, kiss, kiss He waves his kiss, arms kiss. around. Uh, David I, does his Muppet arms move where I, his arms just go like this. It sounds like Griff is like doing a bit. or like, No, that's, that is a bit what I'm like. Right. Uh, that is always my dating advice too, and like obviously, <laughs> honestly, it's often bad advice. Oh like, yeah, I I think it's I, I think, think it's, it's generally good advice. good advice, but like sometimes the person's like, oh, the person you think you know, like it didn't work out, like uh, right. he doesn't like me, and I'm like, oh, well, whatever, yeah, it'll be okay, Try right? Again. Yeah, yeah. Try <laughs> again. And then you wave your arms more. But no, I feel like you get frustrated with crushes. I, I yeah, That's I'm not base. a big fan feel of like people long should crushes. Have crushes and, and at our age, I'm I, such I a agree. Crush person. Right, I'm like, which is why you hate me. Because yeah. I always am like, mm, crush, and you're like, kiss. Yep, he's doing the <laughs> arms again. It's crush true. or kiss. You're yeah. right. I am a little uh, intolerant of crushes. Right. That's a good point. You're I, like, even either though, kiss like, or don't kiss. I like yeah. like uh, romance and chemistry and people being cute, but mm-hmm. uh, 
sometimes when a crush goes too far, I'm like, now it's just a yeah. complex. You know, yeah. now you can't break out of crush. Yeah, right? it's its yeah. own thing. It's its yeah. own hobby. And, and like everything right. must be overanalyzed and it yep. sort of becomes right. which, like a sort yeah. of organism. Yeah. Which yeah. is why we're friends because I'm the exact. Yeah, you are. Uh, but but You're uh, the opposite. You like crushes as long as they have a certain narrative propulsiveness. Right. But as I was saying, and I think as Emily was saying, in a movie when there's a moment when I think characters might kiss and I feel a chemistry between them. Obviously, if you don't feel chemistry between them, it's right. a bit of a bummer. But right. like when you do, I'm just like, yeah, kiss, yeah, kiss. Yeah, so, and when they kiss in this movie, I think it's earned. Yeah. yeah. No, 100%. Uh, it's it's it super is. earned. Um, and I, I think she wants That's what that. I'm saying. I didn't really, I didn't pick I up on that. I don't think she's tacking it on. Right. No, sure. no, yeah, no, no, yes, no. yes, yes. Yeah. And also, I mean, happy but, uh, to see like, him end up with like, Bassett rather than Lewis. Yeah. Like, that's the character he should be with. sense that they're going to be good for each other. And that's what you want out of that. they got a lot of history. It's not like a little fling. Yeah. They really know each other. But one... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. For all, all true, all true. But um, another thing is, uh, fuck. Oh yeah. Well, right. Oh. You're saying in the first hour you're not picking up on it. No. But the first hour is overloaded with, with sensory so in- yes. information. Yeah. You got like Skunk and Nancy and other mm-hmm. great uh, flash in the pan '90s bands. Ben, do you have any opinion <laughs> on Skunk and Nancy? I was a huge Skunk and Nancy fan wait, when I was wait, a kid. Wait, wait, okay, fine. But we need to like context this please my favorite detail or my favorite thing in the movie besides like the squid technology itself um because they uh mace and lenny take one of her clients or like pick up one of her clients right and take him to a club Mm -hmm. i think that's in the valley yes called retinal fetish I forgot about the name. <laughs> Which is the best name for this kind of club. Yeah. Yeah. And I love this kind of club in movies in general. Uh, yeah, yeah. Another That's high- my vaporwave name. Yeah. <laughs> retinal it's, fetish. Oh, it's a great vaporwave name. Isn't retinal fetish just around the corner from Tech Noir? <laughs> Tech Noir. I think they're on the same block, right? Uh, yeah. Um, the, I mean, like, I, I, I would love to make a list of... I, I, I think after I saw this, I was tweeting about it, and I was like, you know, there are two kinds of like futuristic clubs or like places where people are dancing in like this kind of movie, any kind of cyberpunk movie. And there are cave raves like in, in matrix. And then there are cage raves and this is a cage rave. This is a cage rave. Good point. Yeah. Cave rave in the matrix is a great rave that I stick. Fraggle rock. And it's a series about a cave rave. Fraggle rock's got a lot of never ending cave rave. Yeah. Uh, Cage rave. At the butt. Um, Another good, another good cage rave is uh, in uh, the hunger. That's a that's a A plus. We keep bringing up this movie on this really? podcast. Yeah, well, lot. because we mentioned it during Near Dark, because I was trying to think of like sort of vampire, vampire movies yeah. with like a bit of a genre. And then twist. we mentioned it yeah. during Blue Steel, saying that her style was kind of adjacent to Tony Scott. Their visual sensibilities oh, yeah. at this point in time. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the Hunger. I gotta watch The Hunger. Oh my god, you gotta watch The Hunger. Mm, let's Weird see Tony movie. Scott. Weird movie. Um. Yeah. Anyway, I love I love this club. I love everything about it. I want to go to retinal, retinal fetish. I want to you know, I want to take a Japanese businessman to retinal fetish. <laughs> well, they're, <laughs> they're building a Strange Days extension onto Disney World, right? <laughs> that was part of God, Cameron's I deal. I just I just want to read. You it's some just stuff called here. Los Angeles. Cameron's deal was they had to spend two billion dollars on Avatar Land and twenty million dollars on Strange Days Land. <laughs> that, I'd, I'd go. Yeah. Oh, God, I would not go. Um, <laughs> So, Skunk and Nancy. Ben, did you like Skunk and Nancy? I've never heard of them. Oh, my God. Am I the only person who's heard of Skunk yeah, and Nancy? No they were a British about. band, so maybe that's why. No, I don't well, know But why would that you is. know about a British band? <sighs> mm. Mm. 
Um, they they were nobodies when they were in this movie. Like they okay. were just getting started, but they were a big deal in the late '90s in Britain. Uh, their uh, lead, uh, like uh, leading woman, was this uh, woman called Skin. Uh, that is who cool. is this sort of like spindly cool. bald lady uh, who has this like really uh, intense voice. Um, their their second album, which I love, is called Stoosh. I mean, ju- I'm just injecting '90s right into your veins. Oh my god! And their third album is called Post Orgasmic Chill. Jeez. Anyway, so just to give you an idea, uh, also Tricky uh, does some stage yeah. uh, performing. No, uh, I was going to say the, the soundtrack on here is a soundtrack real is wild. time capsule. I keep saying wild. Stop it, David. Uh, Deep Forest. Uh, they were encouraged to jam between takes because <laughs> Bigelow just wanted to get as much footage and wanted the rave to feel like a real rave. And um, a soundtrack album was released. In addition, 60,000 promotional CD-ROMs uh, which contained clips, music, all kinds of stuff, was made available through the college special issue of Rolling Stone. Man. Uh, sold only at record stores. Media. Is this one of the first big, like, post-internet dangers of technology movie? Because I feel like they're, like, dangers of technology is, like, a thing, but they would often be, like, it's robotics, it's AI, it's what have you. Well, the same year we have the net. The net. Uh, which at the time was derided as a hilarious uh, mm-hmm. sort right. of work of alarmism and now feels like basically just like a prescient piece of yeah. Yeah. Uh, storytelling yeah. about the modern age. Hackers has come out already by this point. Mm-hmm. Hackers is 95, mm-hmm. same year. Yeah. It's a big, uh, year for yeah. Inter- big year for tech movies. And my favorite movie uh, in this genre, Johnny Mnemonic, also right. 95. Uh, so yeah. Um, it's the time. Emily, what do you got to say? Oh, I was gonna also mention the um, the other rave scene, but we should wait till we get there because that one's real special. Uh, good, okay. good facts about that one. Well, too. keep me on plot track because it's very hard okay, to remember. There's a the lot plot of, of things. Movie. There's a lot of balls up in the air. So this, I think, it's at the club where we meet uh, Philo in person. That's right. Yeah, he has the confrontation with um, uh, Faith, who yeah. is Juliet Lewis, and she character. performs there too. So it starts yes. with them, and then she has to do her performance and everything, and then. Lenny is like all upset about it or something, but he's there. What are they doing at the club? He rides with Mace, and that's there. A, that, and that's the only reason he wants to go to the club is just to see her. He wants to see he's hung up on her. Faith. Mace is kind of like, geez, you know, you really got to get over yeah. this, but it's somehow a di- a disc. He gets a disc from a contact. He gets a disc same, left in his car. Well, that oh, as wait, well. Oh, wait. No, that's the other one. Right, yeah. a disc gets dro- Iris drops a disc in his yeah. car, but his car gets towed. Yeah. And uh, Ray, Lenny tries to be like, hey, take a Rolex, but he just steals the car. I mean, yeah. tows the car. Yeah. So that disc is in the wind right now. That's but And he one gets another disc, disc yeah, at, delivered. The, at the nightclub. So maybe that's also why he's going there because he's yeah. like picking up a new piece of product. And this disc is a horrifying scene where like a... Uh, it's Iris is Iris. being raped mm-hmm. and murdered and like squid recording it at the like, you know, like, like we said, so, there's this weird emotional transference yeah, angle she, to it. She the the rapist has put the squid on her that hooks her up to what he is seeing right, so that so, she's effectively watching her own assault. And he's watching her like emotions, yeah. which yeah. he likes. He's getting a thrill it's out of so it. It's so fucked up. It You're is watching such a this. fucked up idea. Yeah. I mean, it's a fucked up idea. Bigelow is obviously putting a lot of care into depicting this like with as much sort of like naked horror as yeah. possible. Mm-hmm. It's horrifying. It is 
really intense. Yeah. Uh, and that's what I'm saying when I'm saying like, she's not making this movie and thinking like, this will be a blockbuster. No. Like, you know, like, cause like that scene is, she's just not holding back at right. all. Yeah. Like, right. Yeah. Like, I don't know how else you, there, this you know. is a very angry movie. Like, I think there was probably a point where there was a more straightforward version of this concept that mm-hmm. she probably was hoping was a blockbuster. Right. Then she felt very riled up about the state of the world and started infusing all of that into it. And then I think that became a priority. I think at a certain yeah. point. She was just like, I have all this shit I yeah. need to say. Yeah. There's a lot. Yeah. A lot going on. Yeah. And this is the part that rubbed the critics the wrong way because I, I think a lot of people thought it was just purely exploitative, exploitative without really do, going anywhere with it or that it was just, uh, you know, like dark and disturbing, but, uh, you know, didn't, I guess, pick up on more of what she was trying to do with this idea of like voyeurism sure. and the, the horror of being uh of 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 just rape culture in general and the right. fact that like every you know there is some there is that latent part of all of it like why people are fascinated with stories about women getting attacked uh yeah it feels like that's such a part and parcel of why this is about that specific crime and not another one although there is like a, another murder also but like it feels like that's so like why this movie exists. I do find it fascinating that people were upset and felt like it was exploitative because as you said, it's such a popular like storytelling trope, which is so annoying and so gross that people use sexual assault as like a plot catalyst or a motivator for someone else to get revenge, you know, or like this inarguable, horrible event, but it's usually dealt with in a way where you don't really have to engage with the crime itself. And this movie is like, the whole point it's making is like you can't back away from yeah. this. Like you have to acknowledge the shit's going on. Yeah. And then people said you shouldn't have shown this. Right. Yeah. And I mean, it's sort of like I mean, I think the 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 side of this that doesn't work is like again, like coming back to Detroit, mm-hmm. like which is also just upsetting and and visceral in a way that I think went too far for a lot of people. Yeah. But I and then the criticism around that is very much the same it's like what you're just representing it like and you're making you're making for a very unpleasant viewing experience right but why, the, yes why are you making us live through something we all yeah. agree is bad but I, I I do think that those are such differently politicized like acts of violence yes, and the fact I and I think that you see a close like you see close-up racial violence much more in film than you do uh, like a rape scene mm-hmm. um, or like you see one that actually grapples you, right, you know, with- I was going to say you don't see a lot of rape scenes that are shot like this. No. Right? Yeah, no. Usually no, they No, I don't are- think that there are any other rape no. scenes that are shot like this. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. No, I, I mean like, you know, when I was leaving the screening of this at MoMA, like there's like a, you know, kind of older couple leaving and you're like, this, that was a nasty piece of work uh, about this film. And it is. It totally is. It but is. it's just I mean, like it's grubby. But it's it's I, I feel like it's grubby with a purpose. I, I do why, too. Yeah. But also like D- Detroit is like if this sequence lasted for the, oh. the central 80 minutes yeah. of the movie. If that was the only thing yeah. that was going on. Mm-hmm. And this, like the entire point is that the movie is forcing a man to watch and grab with what's happening and not yeah. letting yeah, him get away from it. Yeah, because we should mention she's cross-cutting with Ray Fiennes yeah. in yeah. the limo, freaking out yeah. at the sight of this. Yeah, right. uh, it's like and kind of in narr- narrating for us like what these sort of the point yeah. of the uh, squid mm-hmm. transference is. Also, I, I one part of this I thought was fascinating. It was frustrating to watch, and then I was like, I know why though. Like why she did this It's like just take it off, take it off. Right. Like if yeah, you yeah, if yeah, you yeah, start yeah. to realize that you're watching a snuff film. 
You turn that shit off. Sure. I, I've never been in that situation no, before. I've but been I in would that situation. You've been in that. You may not, but like on Twitter, yeah. when some fucking news breaks yes. and suddenly yeah. your yeah, a video starts auto loading in your feed, yeah. and for a second, yeah. Yeah. you don't realize what's going on, and then you do, and you go like, ah, you know. And yeah. at, at least I have always just been like, you know, oh no, 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 you yeah. know. But well, uh, that's but, an experience we're now being confronted with. Yeah. Like like, that guy who right. shot those two. News people, you know, yeah, and filmed yeah. it and posted it right to Facebook or whatever, or Twitter yeah. or whatever. The, the Facebook you know, that's yeah. what's going. Anyways, but sorry, finish your. But point. yeah, no, but like he keeps watching, and I think that that's an important character detail about him. Yes, like yeah. I think, and then and I think that that is what she's condemning. Also, is the yeah. fact that he keeps watching. You know, one because it's like his line of work, but also because he's a man, and yeah. like that's the culture that he's living in. And I, I think that that's like very. I don't know. I, 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 I think that that is. Subtle and also infuriating. Yes, I agree. I agree. Uh, and then I do actually also think it's interesting that we then see Sizemore not watching it right after. And he has this more like canned line where he's like, well, I don't want to eat lunch today or yes. whatever, you know, and it's yes. like, and of course, spoiler alert, Tom Sizemore is the rapist yeah. in the video. Uh, uh, I didn't pick up on that. You know, I know obviously he's very bad, but I, I was still surprised. Sure. That, it's a it. good reveal. But that, I but mean, that, like, that video is very well shot. The first one, uh, that, like, the moment where you see him pulling the mask over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I immediately, as soon as it's revealed, I remembered his reaction to that. Yes. Because it stuck in my memory. Stuck in my memory. It was like, that's a, a callous thing that an asshole would say. Right. And yeah, then, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, eh, it's yeah. a little canned. I mean, I yeah, don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That moment when it zooms in on her eye and you see the reflection yes, of, of the mask. mask like, Jesus yeah. Christ, is that upsetting? Yeah. yeah. Just it's really, really bad. Yeah. So, they have this piece of evidence. They just got to move us along. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, so Iris is they they get to the hotel, but Iris is already dead. Mm-hmm. Right, we see her being taken away. So he takes it to Tick, Richard Edson, oh, my yeah. friend. <laughs> yeah, my who's big like blue buddy. I swear to God, like the same characters in Minority Report, which is yeah. another movie about uh, oh, with, yeah. with, that involves POV. Uh, you know, this is the one performance in the movie that I think contains too much paprika. Uh, he's definitely got to take and I like is, Richard Edison I think he's yeah. a fun character actor I think he's in a different movie than everyone else I, that's fine I mean I'm not going like to argue with you barely in it. he's not in it much so yeah. it doesn't really he's matter he's really big well he's in the very beginning yeah. yeah so you like start with him and I was like okay so is this the tone of the movie is everyone <laughs> doing this kind of like elevated supermanic camp thing right and then it gets away from him, and then when it comes back it's like oh right now this fits even less Um, but so they go to Tick. Tick's like, well, Iris was looking for you. So they go to the car in the impound lot mm-hmm. to get to retrieve her disc, which she dropped in there. And then there's this sort of like fiery shootout with D'Onofrio and Fickner yeah. Yeah. who try to take down the limo. But Angela Bassett's got one over on them. Drive it into she the water. She drives it into the water. <laughs> Damn right. We should mention at this point. That's kind of like what this movie has for an action sequence. You know sure, what I mean? Sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, the ending. Is yeah, in the yeah, ending yeah. too. Yes. Uh, we should mention that you know originally the budget was presumed to be like thirty million. Was estimated that ended up going fifteen million dollars over budget. Those extra fifteen million dollars were Catherine Bigelow uh, invested uh, film funds into uh, mini discs. She uh, was trying to make mini discs. Happen. Did anyone else own a mini disc player? Because I had one. No, I I knew people who had them. Uh, I had one. Yeah, I spent a lot of time recording off the radio, transferring my CDs. Like, I really was like, no, this is going to work. It's going to be good. That was like a (laughs) summer. Uh, Yeah, yeah. pretty much. (laughs) And, uh, you know, obviously it was good because I used to walk to school listening to my disc man. And obviously if you just sort of, 
you know, landed on your foot a little hard, there, you know, this, the CD would skip. And with a disc man, with a mini disc, it didn't happen. And I was like, oh, revolutionary technology of the future. What, what else mm-hmm. do we need? This mm-hmm. is all, we, we did it, right? A disc that doesn't skip as often. Right. But it, it did, <laughs> You really had to like throw those things to make them skip. But did music get released on it? Yes, I owned uh, OK Computer on mini disc. Oh my wow. God. Wow. Michael Jackson's Invincible that? coming out? Somewhere probably. Oh, that's Can probably. I have that? <laughs> if, I, if I ever found it, I'll, I'll give it to you. Guys, we're, we're watching a live squid trade right here. <laughs> disc trade. Uh, but it, yeah, no, usually obviously, no, you just bought the blank mini discs and like record transferred your cds over to them right but uh no i i did buy okay computer on mini disc it has like a label on it you know yeah. that's so cool it, isn't it not to go all like only 90 kids 90s kids will get this but sure. like isn't it weird to think that you used to have to like in the morning pick out like okay what are the only 12 songs yeah, I'm yeah, gonna yeah. Be able to listen to i'm today? gonna bring like two cds with me today or whatever right? and sometimes yeah, yeah. i'd like go to sleep and be like remember in the morning to switch out appetite for destruction with you <laughs> zero illusion too and then i'd sure. forget and i'd go to school and i'd be like oh fuck it's appetite again i gotta just listen to rocket queen again <laughs> emily do you have any anything you unless you want to carry a cd wallet with you in your backpack sure so you can flip Some people on. did yeah i don't have anything i was i wanted to add i wanted to make sure that i had the plot right that was all uh, what, Thanks for talking about mini discs for a while, I so I could read. anytime, literally <laughs> anytime. It's just they My finally, pleasure. they finally, after all this action, they get, uh, they watch Iris's yes. discs, which is this political murder, essentially, well, uh, by the cops of Jericho like, One. So Iris was wearing she, I guess she was just She's making, wearing, she was just making a tape or making a disc for Lenny to sell to Lenny. The experience being, what if you were like one of Jericho One's entourage or like a girl who like was gonna fuck him or something and like hanging out and partying uh, apparently yes right Th- that they're, is like, the only reason she was doing it as far as it's I like kim remember. kardashian's mobile game where it's like what's it like to like be with kim yes. kardashian for a day <laughs> sure how are you gonna spend your gems yeah, yeah. i mean so I, it's unclear whether or not anybody else there knew that she was recording it but so you see like oh they're getting in the car they're gonna drive to the club or whatever and then uh they get pulled over by our two favorite cops and Uh, it escalates quickly and Jericho is killed. Yes. And that's, and so when we see Iris Slater running away, freaking out, she's that's basically, she's, she's run from. from that crime. And scene. when they pull her wig off and they, they see the squid thing, they realize she was on filming tape. it. Yeah. Yes. So that's all true. Um, and that's, <laughs> it's all that's, true. It all really happened. But I mean, all, yeah. I, and again, this is like the part that I was, when I was watching it, you know, a few months ago, I was like, how how did we have this movie this whole time? Right, it's true. Like, yeah. nineteen ninety five is so prescient on so many different counts, and this feels like the most immediately like like just hit yourself over the head like holy shit like this is the, like it's so it still feels as, as current as ever as anyone would say but also it like deals with this situation like deals with this idea in like. Uh, yes, in sci-fi terms, but I think mm-hmm. in like a more hands-on way than than anything I've seen recently. And it's barely sci-fi. I mean, that's sort of yeah. another appealing yeah. thing about this movie. It it's is like very four years in the future. specifically right. set four years in the yeah. future. She's right. not trying to depict a future world. Yeah, she's right. just like taking right now and turning up the volume yeah. a little bit. Yeah. It also yeah. is yeah. like, you know, he came up with this idea in 1986 when it was like, okay, we got 13 years until like the millennium. Like he wanted sure. to do yeah. a Y2K yeah, yeah, yeah. movie. Right, right, And then right, by the time right. they finally get it made, it's like, okay, so we, we got four years, so. Uh, right, but I mean, yeah. right, but she's watching the LA riots or whatever and she's thinking right. like, yeah, the world is a little bit on fire. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Can I speak to the aesthetic really quick? Please. 
Um, so I, I said before we were recording, um, what excited me about seeing this film is this is like pre Apple. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. You know, and I just I don't know. It's like I haven't even really like grappled with it a hundred percent. But seeing you mean this film, Apple ubiquity? You know, obviously but just Apple's that around. Sleek. But yeah clean feel right, like right, i right, guess right, the right. example it technology strange looked DOS. Good. it's strange right. dos it is running DOS, on baby. DOS. <laughs> yeah exactly uh and then you think of like her her yes. is apple aesthetic yeah it's very designy right, right. yeah because you go like sci-fi essentially exists in like two phases which are, are like um like oblivion Right, right. Or, sure. Oblivion, like, which is about a war with right. iPods. Right. Yes. <laughs> Oblivion is about what if iPods conquered the universe? Sure. Uh, conquered the planet, at least, right. and Tom Cruise had to fight them. Yeah. Right. But and you, Melissa Leo was the is, queen iPod. Is the queen iPod yes. that you must, like, fly into and, and yeah. Right. Yeah, hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. hey, spoilers. Spoilers. She's an evil dodecahedron. Yes. She won the Oscar for that, right? She did. Um, yeah, yeah. Best dodecahedron. <laughs> But there are, like, if you look at, like, the 70s sci-fi, right? Sure. You go, like, two pillars are, like, okay, there's the Logan's Run thing, right? Which is also sort of, like, the THX 1138, which is, like, very sterile. Sure, sure. sure. Very The future is we all wear, like, jumpsuits. Right. And, uh, but also, like, we all have, like, totally casual sex with each other. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Because in Logan's Run, it's, like, you go to your apartment and you sort of, like, dial in your name and, like, a lady pops up out of an elevator. Yeah, right. (laughs) <laughs> and she's like, how you doing? Yeah. Uh, um, like, but, and it's but like light up cubes. Yes. <laughs> a lot of light up cubes, sure. But that's like a sci-fi universe where there's one aesthetic that dominates everything. Yeah. Like the technology, right, the right, fashion, right, 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 the right, architecture, right. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. everything we is We live one in a side. bubble, sure. Right. Yeah, and yeah. then you have like the Star Wars thing, which is like the very practical, well, lived in machinery kind of junk thing. I don't, I, I don't, I don't even know if Star Wars counts in the conversation about like sci-fi aesthetics. I, I, well, I I'll know. just say, well, like but alien. like even like Alien yeah. and, and Matrix, like yeah. this idea of like a very, like you see how hunks it's built. Hunks of junk. Right, hunks, hunks of junk. junk. And this, I think Star Wars counts. I guess so. It yeah, does. the Millennium yeah. Falcon. Yeah, for yeah. sure. That kind no, of thing. All of it. It's right. dirty. They, you know, right. The yeah, dirty yeah. sci-fi. And then this movie is in this weird space where it's like mostly the world we know with like very practical, just like elements of technology. Not even like a technology that's changed the way the buildings look or we dress or anything like mm-hmm. that. But the stuff is just kind of banal looking. Yeah. Like it isn't like purposefully grody. You know, yeah. it's not hunks of junk. And it's also not like Apple technology. Like you said, it's just like some shit. But yeah, Emily, I want you to talk about the second club scene. The second club scene? No, you wanted yeah. to talk about the other club scene. Take us to the club, Emily. Oh, the, well, I was talking about the end. Well, because that's where we're at now. No, we're not. Pretty much. Wait. I mean, well, all right. Well, you give me the plot then. Wait, okay. So I, I feel like Because once they have the mini disc. So, so we find out, okay, so we find out that, 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 that Jericho Wedden was killed by the cops. Yes. Um, we find out that Tick's brain has been like overloaded. Uh, with squid. Oh yeah, like, he like kind of just goes. Yeah, he's not like dead, but he can't see anything yeah. except like static or whatever. It's sort of like a well, quasi. Yeah, brain dead. I don't know. So after all this, for some reason, I and I, I don't. I this doesn't say how that happens, but Lenny does go to uh, Mace's house or like they're like hiding out in in like that's where right that's where they watch the jericho one video they watch it right. at, at lenny's uh i think it's at mace's brother's house or yeah. whatever yeah 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 it's like a family cookout or right. something yes that is um, where they yeah, yeah and they were gonna just stay there and lay low but then mm-hmm. they're like oh shit we've got to go 
to this party. Yes, there's a big party at the Westin at the Westin Bonaventure Hotel. Correct. One of my favorite places in Los Angeles. Please tell us. I don't know anything about the Westin. Oh, it's such a it's a storied um. Crazy it's a bunch location. of glass tubes. Uh, it is the uh, the uh, what do you call it? The headquarters and in inception. Um, the wh- wherever yeah. they start off, like where, yeah. where Michael Caine is. Um, yeah, it's like a mall. It looks like a mall inside. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is an incredible um, piece. Of- you mean Interstellar, by the way, not Inception. Uh, yeah, yes, Interstellar. Yes, yeah. That's what I meant. Yep, but yes. Um, it's uh, yeah, it's it's just this insane completely uh, like irrelevant like future vision of mm-hmm. what downtown LA was going to be like right. because it's it's like okay well nobody walks in Los Angeles so we'll like replicate the idea of a city Within in this buildings. hotel right, right. which is like a mall it's like five stories that's like in this atrium there are still businesses in there mm-hmm. there's a really good bomb me place in there sure um, <laughs> and uh but yeah, it's it's and you know it obviously failed. It was like not a good idea, but uh, it still is like this you know like I guess not monolith like quadrolith in the middle of, <laughs> of downtown. L- yeah, <laughs> uh, downtown LA. It and, is kind of fascinating. Yeah, yeah, it's it's incredible. I it was originally owned by Mitsubishi, hmm. and now it's not. I don't know. It's run by like a hotel company. But it's like it's like a weird precursor to like. I don't know if people have gone to the Grove in Los Angeles. I've been Angeles. to the Grove, yeah. sure, yes. Um, oh, yes, Umami Burger. Uh, or was it that Grove? Oh, that Umami Burger. <laughs> I've been uh, to the Umami Burger. <laughs> but, like, this idea of, like, try, like, well, we don't have the, the uh, you know, experience of what one would consider a normal city uh, or normal, like, city Let's experience. Build city. Let's build a little fake city that we can, we can replicate it in. In, That's, in the, his book, yeah. Postmodern Geographies, The Reassertion of Space in Critical Social Theory, Edward Soja mm-hmm. describes the hotel as a concentrated representation of the restructured spatiality of the late capitalist city. Mm-hmm. There's much more of this that I would love to read. But There's a really good not. clip, I think, on YouTube that's, um, it, he might have had a hand in it, but there's a clip that just highlights all of the movies that this sure. hotel Sure, True had. Lies shot in there, True too. True Lies, yeah. yeah. There's mm-hmm. a plaque for True Lies. Cool. Um and there's it, when Black you enter in through the the parking garage, there's just like a hallway of all the movie posters that the hotel's been. That's I don't cool know. that they have pride. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's. Uh, I mean, I I love that place. Uh, so it, and I was. This was. I knew that. I knew that it was in. I knew it played a part in this film, and right. I was thrilled that it was such a crucial part because it's great. It's where Philo is throwing some big party for like LA's rich. Yeah. To enjoy the millennium in yeah. peace, I guess. Mm-hmm. And the deputy commissioner is there. Uh, played by Joseph Summer, Joseph mm-hmm. Summer, who's like always plays like presidents. You know what I mean? He's <laughs> yes. like one of those anonymous He's old guys. Faces, right? He doesn't yeah. play a president if your president's an important character. He plays your president if your president's in one scene and needs to just be watching a terrorist on the TV being president, like, have you made your decision? Yeah, because you need him to deliver two lines X-Men about X Men right. The Last Stand okay. as the president. He's just, it, I could probably look how many, yeah. Anyway, uh, or he plays your senators, sure. your congressmen, et cetera. And this he's a police commissioner. The, the well, so they're trying to yeah. get the they want to get the tape to, to him. him. Yeah, because um, apparently he's he's one of the good guys. Okay. Uh, I was yes, X Men has a weird series of like fictional presidents and real presidents because uh, they have like people playing Nixon and Kennedy. They do. Right? They do. Yeah, but then they yeah. also just have like a bunch of generic guys like that who are just like this is well, the, president that's only Mr. In, Man in first class though, right? Because it's um 
First class has Kennedy. And um, doesn't Days one of them has oh, yeah. Nixon? Nixon? Days of yeah. Future Past Days, has Nixon. Yeah. But before then, right, they have fake presidents. Right. Uh, because there's also a president in X-Men 2 that uh, a Nightcrawler tries to stab. Yes. Oh, right. Yes. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of different presidents. Um, so it, we split into two. Mace has to go to the commish. Mm-hmm. Not... Michael Chiklis. No, not. Mm-hmm. And um, I got excited and it turned out a false flag. Lenny's going to go up to see Philo, mm-hmm. uh, but instead he finds Philo essentially dead mm-hmm. with another squid disc so yeah. he can get more exposition. Yeah. Which is that Max, uh, fucking Sizemore, yeah. and Juliette Lewis have been having an affair yeah. and uh, and they've, they've killed him. It's kind of a brilliant thing at this point, like, like filmmaking wise. Right. That you have a flashback that, like, a device that is a literal flashback. It's a flashback in the device. same physical space. Yes. So he can take it off, and he's in the same. It's like having a VR that was shot in the room that you're sitting in. Right. Um, Your main character is able to learn things conclusively that he was not there to witness. Yeah. It's like looking at a right. star. Like the 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 light is a year old sure. or whatever, but sure. it, it'll get nice to you eventually. Yeah, that's sure. a nice way of putting it. <laughs> Uh, but uh, right, because he go- walks in, Philo's basically dead. Yeah. He plugs in his mini disc. Sees and how he got dead. First, he watches the sex scene. Then yeah. he realizes, oh, this is from the perspective of Tom Sizemore. Yeah, and he then listens he to a couple tracks from OK Cupid. <laughs> <laughs> OK Cupid, great, great. <laughs> I was gonna land that joke. <gasps> Let's oh. take it again. Okay, okay, cue me. Uh, he's watching. Uh, then it turns out Tom Sizemore's having sex with Juliet Lewis. Right, and then he listens to a couple tracks from OK Go. God damn it! <laughs> oh, come on. Uh, okay. No, we, all right, all right, all right. Well, like, the song wasn't that memorable, but the video was incredible. Yes, video. Yeah, good. yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and what is that's a one take? That's, yeah, you nailed it. What is congratulations? The, Ten I'll admit <laughs> the dynamics at play in this are. A little, I don't quite get it. They killed Philo because he wanted to kill Faith because she knew too much about Jericho or something. Like, I can't. I honestly don't remember it's, this entire bit. It, it's yeah. like, it's so complicated. For, and like, but the basic idea is like. But but she does not know. She doesn't know. That Sizemore no. is the dude. No. no. she. Why would she? Because no. she hasn't seen she's this just fi- right. Like, she's just. She's just entangled being, with yeah, him. and I mean, what it ends up like her her character arc, I will say, is probably a little disappointing because she ends up just being a piece of shit. Like, there's nothing. Yeah, there's no redeeming. She's not thing a about villain. It. She doesn't have any motivation she either. She, she has no sucks. motivation. Her motivation is to suck. She's kind um, of a red herring because you think, yeah, like yeah. we're saying, you think, oh, she's maybe like this femme fatale or she'll something. be a femme fatale, yeah. or maybe he'll get back together with her. Nothing like that happens. But yeah. it's a little. She's annoying. sort of a pawn. Sure, she gets basically sent out of the room, and then Tom Sizemore kills Philo by shooting him. Mm-hmm. And is like, I'm going to frame you for this. Yeah. Right. When you watch the the squid of like their happy times together, she's not really talking much, but you get the sense that they like each other and there's like chemistry there or whatever. Yeah. And then from the moment you're actually dealing with her as a character yeah. in the present, she just sucks. Yeah. She hates him. She's mm-hmm. really cold. Like, right. And just like deliberately cruel and right. like needlessly. I mean, I guess he is like kind of stalking her. So I guess that would be pretty annoying. Yeah. And like, but, right. Yeah. You don't have to be nice to your exes. Although, you know, good, good move. A, a nice uh, menschy move. Yeah. Sure. But it also feels like you're waiting for her to like warm up a little bit and be like, oh, I'm going to remind yeah. you why we fall in love in the first place. Yeah. But the whole movie is just like, oh no, she sucks. You never should have been dating her in the first yeah, place. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean. That's why I mean, the the film is more about growth than most most movies with that kind of dynamic because it sure. is like you know no you shouldn't you should like should not go back to the thing that you like that you are you're for sure this right. yeah. is a step right. forward for yeah. him that's mm-hmm. the kind of person he should be with yeah um but I do like 
the, his fight scene with Tom Sizemore. Yeah. Because uh, it yeah. is just two boys oh, throwing each sloppy. other around a hotel room. Right. There is nothing choreographed yeah. about this. Yeah. And uh, he kind of just gets him, right? I mean, he just yeah, sort of throws, throws him over him the, the balcony. Yeah. yeah. And Sizemore grabs his tie and he's like, I'm taking you with me. I think he yeah. I think he sells that line really well. Tom Sizemore, good at desperation. Exactly. Where yeah. you're like, he sells, where you're like, oh yeah, this guy gets that he's going to die. Yeah. And he just wants to be vindictive <laughs> in his last moments. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, uh yeah. Wait. So. The only problem I have is you. Th- I I I was not surprised. Not when I watched this movie for the first time in college, and not now when it turns out Sizemore's bad guy. But he's Tom Sizemore. He's Tom yeah. Sizemore. Yeah. Right. I mean, I guess you you would hope that people are playing against type to a degree. That's true. That's and there's like you know Rafe is uh you know maybe he'd be doing something else. It's, it's, yeah. the, it's the Wonder Woman thing where the whole time you kept on leaning over right. to me and going like David Thewlis is up to no good. No, you were saying about <laughs> Danny oh, right. Houston. Oh, about you were Danny like Houston. Danny Houston such obvious casting right. tipping well, their hands. And my joke was is he the bad guy? Right. right. Yeah, and yeah, it yeah. ends up like the movie is playing you in that way. A little yeah. Bit. Right. It would be nice if like you yeah Tom, Tom Sizemore the only doubt you have about whether or not he'd be the bad guy is whether or not the movie would be that obvious to cast Tom Sizemore as the yeah. bad guy. Yeah, exactly. She just loves Tom Sizemore. Yeah. Um. So so what's going on in the rest of this party? So there's like a fancy party for like the fancy people mm-hmm. in the hotel. I guess like on the, uh, maybe not, is it in a penthouse or something or is it on the ground floor? Is it inside the hotel? I, I think it's remember. on it's the, in, I can't yeah. remember. Yeah. Um. So so there's that. Then outside, the 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 people, the 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 peons of Los Angeles are having a total rave in the middle of downtown. In the, right, in the streets. Did yeah. did you read about this? No. Oh Tell me, what do you oh, mean? Oh boy. Okay. Um wait, okay, so the scene where the crowd celebrates the turn of the new century at the end of the film was shot at the corner of Fifth and Flower Streets between the Western Bonaventure Hotel and the Los Angeles Public Library. Sure. Over 50 off-duty police officers were hired to control an assembled crowd of 10,000 people Whew. who had pay, been paid who had to pay 10 who had to pay $10 in advance to attend the event. Sure. The filmmakers also hired rave promoters Moss Jacobs and Philip Lane to produce performances featuring Aphex Twin, D-Light, as well as all the cyber techno bands they could garner. <laughs> That's actually, I gotta say, really smart producing. Yeah, ten bucks to create a circumstance yeah. where extras have to pay to be in the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it, like put on a real concert. But it's basically right. Yeah. You're gonna have a concert. Yeah. it's gonna be the most tech noir concert there yeah. ever was. Right. It's gonna be the most. What's what, what, I already forgot the name? Retina. Um, retinal fetish. Retinal fetish. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Retinal fetish. Even better than retinal fetish. Um, it was reported that a total of seventy five thousand dollars was spent on the event, wow. and and half of the one thousand three hundred rooms in the Bonaventure were rented out. The event started at 9 p.m. on a Saturday night and ended shortly before its scheduled end at 4 a.m. as five people were hospitalized for suffering overdoses of the drug ecstasy. Oh, I'm stunned to hear this. Yeah, really? 1995. 10,000 people? <laughs> yeah, there were some ecstasy ODs? I mean, I hope they were all okay, obviously. I cannot believe they let her make this movie. It's like, insane! It's so crazy. How did they fucking let her make this, this movie? This is a 20th century Fox film, just yep. to be clear. Yeah, it's and not they like, threw a rave in the middle of yep. it. It's not Fox Searchlight? <laughs> no, right, no, no, no. Right. Uh, but uh, it's, it's it is it looks fantastic. Yeah, it's wonderful. It's an expensive it looks, looking movie. It very looks expensive. Like yeah. there's a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, partying. And these huge lights that say like 2000 on them, like counting down the new year. It's like such a it's such a spectacle. I love yeah. it. And then there's this. I mean, it, I find the 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 finale finale really scary, where Mace yeah. is getting beaten up uh, yeah. by the cops, and no one sort of knows how what to do. Yeah. You know, it's. I mean, obviously, and she's just all by herself. Right, and Bigelow is trying to draw, I think, a straight line to real events. It's just going to happen again, like, yeah. 
And then there is this hopeful, maybe too easy, but whatever. I mean, it's a movie. A uh, note where the commissioner is like, uh, you know, arrest these men. Yeah. Like, you know. Yeah. Because I guess he w- went off and watched. He watched this the tape. Disc. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, the tape's pretty incriminating. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but uh, and I like that the same cops who are basically sanctioning D'Onofrio and Fickner wailing on her. Are then like, oh, okay. You know, like it's not yeah. like there are new cops who come in <laughs> sure. to arrest the bad cops. Yeah. Right. It's because there's these cops who are in like military uniforms yeah. with like helmets and stuff. They're just like, right. okay, no, uh, okay, I guess we'll arrest them. Yeah. And so is it D'Onofrio reaches for a gun and gets himself shot and Fickner yeah. shoots himself? Shoots himself, yeah. It's pretty gruesome. Yeah. Well, they're I mean, bad cops. No, they're, they're, they're no, no good, good guys. I mean, not, uh, not no a good, fan. Very bad. Don't do it. Uh, I will. I will say this. This I found this movie so dense, and I don't say that in a uh-huh. bad way. There's just so much fucking going a on lot. in terms of the story and what she's getting it at. Earns and the style its runtime. Agreed. There's yeah, stuff. Two two twenty. There's a the lot of stuff here. in it. Agreed. Yep. <laughs> but I'll say, like, this is the first time I think I've felt while doing a mini series that I need to rewatch a movie before we do our final rankings. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't feel I would be equipped to rank this within her filmography just because I watched it this, when I was tired and I don't feel yeah. like I fully comprehended this everything is she's my doing. Favorite in this. movie of hers without without too much. Right now, that. I have no idea where I would place it. All right, uh, I like the movie. It is very strong. Uh, but I just feel like it's the kind of movie that you need to sort of keep coming back to to really reckon with yeah. in a lot of ways. No, I'm I'm a little disappointed. I didn't even get to rewatch it before doing this podcast with you guys. I mean, I didn't watch all of it, but sure. like it's a long. It's, it takes a long so time. It, to it takes a lot out of you yeah. watching this movie. Oh, it does. Yeah, this sure. movie could do with an intermission. If I was seeing it in a theater, uh, yeah, okay, you know, I'm not saying it needs an intermission. That's ridiculous, but. Uh, it's a it's a it's it's a not a slog though. It's yeah. just it's no, just it's a not. lot of. No, I was saying to cooking. It's a lot of stuff. I was saying to to producer Bane before you guys came. Producer Bane, but go on. Producer Bane, I'm sorry. No, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Don't worry about it. So embarrassed. You correct Um, me on Strange Doss. I correct you on (laughs) producer Bane. (laughs) Uh, But I was just. We were just talking about like the fact that you feel like it's got that thing of like the false ending or like a second ending when what before they go downtown and Mm -hmm. go to the party. But then once that starts, I'm like, oh, I totally want to be here for this part. Like, this is going to yes. be really exciting. Yeah. Right. You know, like, it doesn't feel like, oh, God, yeah. another act. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. It's it's. Um, but nonetheless, this movie, because we're going to play the box office Let's game do now, uh, was a uh, colossal bump. Huge, mm-hmm. huge uh, failure. It cost $42 yeah. million dollars to make. I'm sure it cost more money to market and so on and so forth. Uh, came out October 6th. 1995, it grossed $7.9 million. That right. is bad. So the weekend before, they had released it in one theater and did a pretty good per-screen average. It, but that's it, weird that's for them theater. to release a movie like this yeah. in yeah, one the theater. Actual, the question I have is, uh, do you want me to do uh, the one theater? You no, know what? Let's They're do actually, the proper wide. Really we'll do the proper. Way. They were actually very similar anyway, so Great. it doesn't matter. Okay. This movie, though, well, I won't, we'll talk about it afterwards. Okay. Um, number. So what number does Strange Days open at? When it expands, number eight. Jeez. $3.6 yep. million. Bad, 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 bad. <sighs> yep. This is Columbus Day weekend. So, okay, what, what, what were you going to no, say? No, I was just going to say, like, I mean, I can't, I've seen those posters, but I just, like, can't even imagine what a campaign for this would be. Right. Well, that's, those posters, as much as I like those images, those, like, headshots they have yeah. of the actors, those posters feel like a shrug of a marketing department that's like, I don't know how to fucking sell this movie. Right. Put yeah. the three actors on it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 
Yeah. I the, love that poster, but yeah. It's it's a well it's not shot like it image, tells you anything but it's about. it gives you no context. This yeah. is the kind of like you know how they do all those like re like redesigned posters, or special edition posters yes. of things. Like a lot of those are for things that already have great posters. This one should have This could use like a Mondo, like <laughs> yeah. fucking limited. My run. pitch, it's a Lisa Frank <laughs> Incorp- like it incorporates like that. <laughs> Design into the poster. It's a trapper keeper. Yeah, totally. With Lisa Frank creatures on it. Yes. Okay. One thing I want to say is because I was going to say, our finest poster designer, our finest graphic designer. He's the best. Okay. One thing you want to say is because when I was thinking about this, I was like, gee, you know, it's an R-rated movie. But then you look at the top ten; every single movie in the top ten is rated R. Because it's October, yeah. and it's back okay. in the day when Hollywood was like, well, the family movies have their place on the schedule. Right. The PG-13 movies have their place. But like R-rated movies are bread and butter. And like, it was like you only released populist. I'm uh, sorry. There's one movie that's not R-rated. Okay, that's PG-13. Yeah. But like populist four-quadrant movies you release in the summer or over the holidays. And then at this time of year, you'd either have movies for grownups or children's films. Like right. cut and dry. Yeah, there was much more of like siloing. Yes. Anyway, so okay. number one at the box office is an out-of-the-box, somewhat surprising hit, a crime thriller, a very mm. hard R, uh, that in its fourth week, and I think it's been like number one every week. Seven? Yeah, has made $57 million. Yeah. Seven. David Fincher's seven. Surprising, and it, it stayed the fuck in there. A uh, mm-hmm. huge hit, made a hundred yeah. million dollars in '95. Nuts for that movie. Um, that movie is also, uh, yeah, very '90s. Very '90s. Uh, what do you think of Seven, Emily? Um, I have not seen Seven in any time recently, sure. not since high school or something. I don't know. I, I have. I don't think my opinion on it is valid anymore. Yeah, like I sure. feel like I'm like totally fine with Seven. I think it's pretty hard it's to yes. It's also like hard to um, put it in the context of what it must have felt like coming out at that point in time if right. you'd seen it in theaters yeah. opening weekend. Yeah. Like I watch it now and I'm like, okay, yeah, it's solid. It's well done. Sure. It's a, it's a, right. it's a much imitated movie these right. days as well, obviously. Yes. Right. Uh, but seven. Okay, number two is a cruddy action movie starring like one super established star who's maybe a little on the wane at this point okay. and one up and coming European star. Ah. Interesting. Is the European star, are they both male? Yeah. And this movie was written by uh, some friends of ours. Written by some friends of ours? I mean, you know. People we've covered. Oh, 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 oh. It is Assassins? Richard Donner's Assassins. Written by the Wachowskis, Antonio Banderas. And then who's the main person in it? Kurt Russell? Sly Stallone. Sly Stallone, right. Uh, Which was a bomb. Huge bomb. Made thirty million on a fifty budget. See, I don't even like. I didn't even remember that was a Stallone movie. I just knew it was Banderas and Wachowski. It's not a movie. Right. Yeah, yeah. Not. I, movie. I don't think there's like okay a lot to that yeah, movie. I don't think so. It's like, what if there were assassins? Never seen know. it. Probably will never watch <laughs> it. In my life. Yeah. Yeah. Julia, Julianne Moore is in it. Oh yeah, uh, young Julianne Moore. All right, number three uh-huh. is a really crazy movie, which I kind of like. It's like a epic quasi-epic crime movie directed by these like hot young directors who had had like a surprise hit. Two. Uh, yeah, they're a pair. They're a pair of directors. Are they brothers? Yes. Are they the Coen brothers? No. They're brothers. This movie, I mean, I'm sure you know it. Oh, the Hughes brothers? The Hughes brothers, Albert and Allen. Dead Presidents? Dead Presidents. I've never seen it. That's a pretty good movie. Okay. Uh, 
which is uh, is is their blank check after yeah. Menace to Society. Not that it costs like a lot of money, yeah, but it's this sort of like Vietnam movie about people coming back after you know, like mm-hmm. you know, back to the Bronx, and like sort of like how America like let that neighborhood down, like, let that borough down, and that sounds good. Like yeah. the rise of uh, sort of like gang violence and like sure. I, it's a flawed movie but I do I think it's pretty interesting they've certainly what? had weird careers yeah what weekend are you looking at I'm looking at October 13th oh 13th 1995 okay why Emily are you trying to cheat uh no I just I'm not playing I'm never I would never get any of these so I just want to know what they are out of sure. curiosity it's Columbus Day weekend uh, a big, big movie going mm-hmm. well this is what I'm saying which <laughs> right. is apparently right. just like R rated right. movie so, time I mean Okay. That, that's why, like, Seven at the time was one of the only September movies to end up making $100 million. Sure, Like sure, a September sure. release to actually cross 100 and now we have September movies that open over 100 Well, that's a new, that's a new phenomenon. Welcome September, baby. Uh, so number f- four is a, uh, it's based on a, I think it's based on a hit book. Mm-hmm. Sort of like a, a weepy drama I've never seen it. In it. It's got ladies in it. Multiple ladies in it? L- like like 400 ladies in it. There's so many ladies in this movie. It's not uh, like fried green tomatoes. No, but you're, you're you know. It's not Steel Magnolia. No, that's earlier. Um, I really hadn't thought about this movie. It's, uh, oh. Uh, it's from a female director who has uh, recently made a terrible movie. Recently in our yeah. current day timeline? Yes. <laughs> she made a terrible movie that came out this year. No, nah, a couple of years ago. I mean, you wouldn't even remember it or know who she, like, I, I'd be surprised if you know who she was. Is it Waiting to Exhale? No. That's a Forrest Whitaker movie. Oh, right, that? right. Uh, isn't it? Am I, am I, am I, I think so. That? And he did Hope Floats as well, yeah, right? Forrest Whitaker, yeah. Mm-hmm. He was the king of the weepies for a couple of years He made there. some good weepies. Uh, it's got a lot of women in it. Stars and actress we both are very fond of. Uh, it's just got the most goofy, hilarious title. Yeah. It's a real, like, I feel like it's a bit of a punchline to, like, 90s kind of so- softcore dramas. <laughs> How do you describe the real? Uh, I, there is a genre of this kind of title. Yeah. Um, That I feel like Sam and Fishing in the Yemen is, it, like. So it's, like, it's kind of like a sentence <laughs> title like that? Exactly. Yeah. Sam and Fishing in the Yemen is a good uh <laughs> Good uh, partner like, to this one. Uh, yeah, if you yeah. did like a rep screening series, <laughs> movies with full title. sentence titles, yeah, or like full phrases, right, right, like yeah. an full idea, phrases. an entire, yeah, mm-hmm. like the divine uh, secrets of right, the Yaya sisterhood. Think, yeah. Yeah. I feel like I have the meter of the title in my head, and I can't think of what the word. All right, are. I got to give it to you. Give me we're one. Of, out give of me time. A, the actress. Winona Ryder. Oh fuck! Uh, uh, oh, uh. oh wow! If you don't have it from this, <laughs> yeah, then I no, can't you help should, you. yeah, yeah, yeah. Just give me how this. to make an American, American quilt. quilt? Right, of course, of course, of course, of course. America of course. was asking Hollywood, tell us <laughs> yes. how do we make an American quilt? And then Hollywood answered. And everyone's like, oh, actually, I'm good. Yeah, no, yeah. it's fine. But it did okay. Yeah. Uh, let me just oh, the cast of this movie: Winona Ryder, Anne Bancroft. Ellen Burstyn, who once told Griffin to try silence. <laughs> Kate Nelligan, Alfre Woodard, Maya Angelou, Kate Capshaw, Samantha Mathis, uh, and then uh, Rip Torn <laughs> is hanging out there. Uh, Rip yeah. Torn, the only person whose name is uh, two tenses of the same action. <laughs> you, we've, you think you've made that joke before. I'll make it as many times as All I right. can. Number five opening this week is a sex thriller that is uh, a sex Sexy sex thriller of 1995. 
starring some of the sexiest actors. Woody Harrelson? No. Good guess. <laughs> I thought it was, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, the Demi Moore, uh, Robert Redford. Uh, Indecent Proposal. Right, it's, no, not, it's that. not that. No, it's a real sex thriller. Disclosure? No, good guess. It was a movie made by a TV star who was making his, it was his first big jump into movies. Oh, uh, is it David Caruso and Jade? Jade. <laughs> Some fantasies go too far. That's the tagline to Jade. A William Friedkin joint. Yeah. Starring our favorite. David Caruso? No. Linda Fiorentino. Yeah, yeah. The, the queen of 90s, like, potboilers, like, sex potboilers. Still, for my money, the single best joke in 40-year-old virgin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To be like David Caruso and Jade. Oh, got yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that is a good joke. <laughs> Chaz Palminteri, Michael Bean. Yeah, some of our sexiest actors. So, <laughs> so that's the top five. So what I wanted okay. to say was that, yeah, this has three movies opening, if you count Strange mm-hmm. Days, that are notorious, sex, not sexy, but, like, sure. explicit R-rated These are bombs. adult. I really like take Jade. issue with with Strangers being billed as I'm, a neurotic I'm, thriller. I'm not really. It's tough yeah. to lump them all together, but yeah. I think but Hollywood lumped them together yeah. as these yeah. movies that were like too much sexy grown up too movie. hard yeah. art yeah. like yeah. too too excessive yeah. jade the scarlet letter and that movie are mm-hmm. all movies where it was like no oh, we gotta right. reel it back yeah. we gotta make broader audience mm-hmm. movies yeah. and you can't just like get him in the theater with like well, and a big box office sea change happens a month later. The top film of 1995 comes out, and I would say it's one of the movies that changed the film industry. Which is? Toy Story. Toy Story. But you know what? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's so interesting. Right? Because once you make animated films that adults like. No, no. I, yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah. Some of the other movies in this are To Die For, which is another, it's a, more of a comic sex thriller. Yeah. A great uh, movie. That movie is awesome. It rules. Uh, you got uh, Devil in a Blue Dress, which is a movie I'm a huge fan of. Yeah, uh, I've never seen Carl that. Franklin. Yeah, um, I like Carl Franklin. Though. Sort of neo noir with Denzel and Don Cheadle, who's so good. Good actor. Uh, Halloween. Gonna say five. Yeah, because the one with pre- Michael, the one with uh, Paul Rudd. Oh right, yeah. The Curse of Michael Myers. Because H two O comes out a couple years after this, right? It's the sixth. Sorry. Okay. Uh, anyway, so yeah. Um, I, another interesting piece of context. I don't think we've talked about it all for well, this. Please film? serve it up. I'm a connoisseur. That it came out a week after the verdict of the O.J. Simpson trial. Oh, that's actually huge. That's a huge, and it was pre- it, while they were making they were it, that was, it while yeah, that was when the, yeah. the Bronco and, chase happened. Yeah, man. Yeah, that's um, that's crazy, huh? It's interesting to look at the post O.J. box office. Not that I don't think it probably actually had that much impact, but I, no. yeah, but yeah, I was, guess who knows? Maybe. But like the fact that it's like all R-rated movies in the top ten. I know right. the week after that, it feels very dark. And Angela Bassett is married too. Who can tell me? In real life? Yeah. Still? Yeah. Fuck, who she's married? Who she who she married? Now I want to double check. Yeah, no, yeah. Courtney B. Vance. Who oh, so wonderfully really? played Johnny really? Cochran in American Crime. They've been married for 20 years. I didn't know well, that's fucking a fantastic idea. couple. Oh, there you go. It is wow. interesting though. I mean, you were saying like this movie is so primed for a reevaluation, but mm-hmm. it also feels like the kind of movie where it's like, how have they not like restored this and made this readily available? Like, you look at how the last two years there was, like, this OJ wave of, like, oh, this is the cyclical thing. This whole trial represented this thing that was going on in our culture, Mm -hmm. and now it's reared its head again and reflects so many different aspects of, like, our relationship with the media Mm -hmm. and fame and wealth and race and success and power and gender dynamics and violence. And this movie is, like, all of that shit. Yeah. 
why can't later? we watch it legally? Yeah, no. Oh, <laughs> totally. Two I do, successful OJ TV I do shows. think, we've talked about this off mic, like the Lightstorm thing might be part of it. James yeah. Cameron, uh, movies he's produced, he likes to make sure like the re-releases are remastered and like, you know, properly transferred or whatever. For? Well, it's the same. Like, why don't we have an abyss? I <laughs> right. think he takes yeah. forever on it. I don't know if that's true of this movie because I don't know. If I, yeah, how hands-on does he really want to be with it? Like, yeah, no it's not his. I hear he's going to re-release Strange Days in 3D in one theater. <laughs> I mean, it has, I have I've actually not looked at all into what how she feels about it, her uh, feeling about its legacy or anything like I that. I think she's oh, yeah. very proud of it. I mean, see, she, it's I, a great movie. She seems be. to speak highly of it yeah. and thinks it was the movie she wanted to make and it totally was like an albatross around her neck. It was. Yeah. I mean, yeah, because, you know, she doesn't make another movie for five years uh, and then that movie is The Weight of Water. Right, which doesn't which come, doesn't out, for come out for two more years. And so she doesn't have a movie in theater for seven more years. Two months after the release of her highest budget film, which is also her biggest flop. Sure, K-19. Yeah. Right. I mean, well, I mean, combine with this. This movie's a pretty big flop, though. You're obviously experts in people who, um, you know, make bad movies and uh, and get punished for it and never get yeah. to make movies again. Like it happens a lot, right? Yes, yeah. all the time. Yes, directors make horrible mistakes and lose lots of money and yeah. then uh, never get to work again. That's what this podcast is about. Yeah, right. right. It's uh, like, uh, <laughs> right. I don't know yeah, if you guys are picking end. up on. Uh, <laughs> There's a little note of sarcasm. That's the end of the story, right? She made yeah, Strange Days, never, it bombed. Yeah. She made Indy, it bombed. And then she did a big submarine blockbuster. But I'm saying, like, uh, in, yeah. in, in all seriousness, in the course of this podcast, has, has there been, like, a five-year break? No. No. It's very I rare. Like, so. you know, people who made If you look at, like, Shyamalan, worse. who made, like, four bombs in a row, yeah. he made right. a movie every couple of years, practically. Cameron you know? Crowe had a bit of a gap in there, but I don't think it was as long. From Elizabethtown to We Bought a Zoo is maybe that's, five years? That's six years. But uh, yeah. that might be Cameron Crowe's. That seemed to be more his doing. Cameron Crowe seems to have a lot of shit in his head right because uh, Tom Cruise had to tell him to make We Bought a Zoo right but which this, is a sentence that one rarely says you imagine that she was trying to make movies regularly and then there's even I mean I don't know what, I think she talks about The Way to Water it's hard right. to we, we gotta wrap up but, sure uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. but there's a long gap between uh, K-19 and, and Hurt Locker as well yes yeah. Right. Oh, that we'll we'll talk about it on the hurt. We'll talk about the hurt. Yeah, for that's sure. That's a longer break. That's yes. a long break, yeah. and that is that's. I think that is her toughest yeah. period in terms of trying to get money together for a movie. And yeah. then she wins a fucking Oscar. She like, does. It's, an it's quite a story. story. <laughs> yeah. Yep. 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 Uh, we'll talk about that another time, though. Emily, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Uh, we're we're still it's this neck and neck race of you, JD Amato, and Richard Lawson all being tied as our like three. Yeah, oh. re- recurring guests. Our, our yeah, best yeah, yeah. friends of the show, <laughs> our favorite guests, the fan favorite guests. Of course you'll be back. Is there a poll? Oh, come we on. Would never. We would never. <laughs> but if you want to start a poll, you can do it. Yeah. Um, well, uh, thank you. It's, it's always fun. You, you've been doing unbelievable work at Vulture, and I'm not just saying that. I, I have been really blown away by a couple of your reviews. I feel like Aww. you've had a couple things. The, the one I cite all the time, your uh, analogy in your Fate of the Furious uh, review, when I was trying to explain to people why I was a little underwhelmed by that movie, the idea that Jordana Brewster and Paul Walker were the bread and oh, the sandwich and, the, yeah, and yeah. you got a bunch of loose meat if you don't yeah. have them there. How they were never the most exciting characters, yep. but they weirdly held the whole thing together. They were I, the bread and the mayonnaise, I believe. I, I quote it incessantly. <laughs> <laughs> the best take I have read from a film critic all yep. year. Uh, all right. Uh, we're done, right? That's it. We're done, of course. Uh, this podcast uh, is brought to you by Mac Weldon. Right. I want to mention that. Yeah. I mean, they, look, they brought it to you, you know, in you the same it. way they're going to bring those clothes to you. Yeah. 
That's uh, right. So, and if, yeah. if they can clean up Tom Sizemore, they can clean you up. I promise. <laughs> I don't care who you are. Mm-hmm. That's the guarantee. Yeah. That's the blank check guarantee. Yeah. Uh, please remember to rate, review, subscribe. Uh, go to reddit.blankies.com or the other way around. Blankies.reddit.com for some real nerdy shit. Thanks to Ange Fragudo for her social media, Joe Bone and Pat Reynolds for our artwork, Lane Montgomery for our theme song. And as always, this computer runs on strange dots. <laughs> <laughs>